Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penguin coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Okay, fine. So it looks like I got a couple extra minutes. Yeah, there was a connection problem this morning. Um, so I actually called into the show and was standing by to do it by phone, which I really didn't want to do because it's no fun. In fact, I didn't even get a chance to get my water. You know, as I was trying to oh, ugh, connect, didn't get a chance to adjust my seat, didn't get a chance to do any of the things I normally do um, at the start of the show. But I didn't even get a chance to sign into live chat. So I don't know what happened, but I'm really glad that I'm on the air now. And so that's, that's, that makes a huge difference. I'm, just, I'm still rearranging stuff on my desk, like putting my microphone in front of me as opposed to, you know, halfway across the table where it sits during the rest of the day. So let's put, we're here. Let's go to live chat. There we go. So live chat, usually, I think Marco's off today. So anybody wants to get on live chat, please feel free. Uh, so that's going to be fun. So then, of course, the call in 215-383-3832. We should hear from Wendy uh, at the bottom of the hour with the Oh My God report. Um, it's just, <laughs> uh, that just rattles me just to get that going. But of course, the other problem was I was a little late checking on or, or logging onto the site because I was having too much fun. And so, as, as you know, I like to start things off uh, as a lot of hosts do being a, you know, a little light first thing before, before we get into the heavy stuff. And so what I found uh, that was hysterical, this is something that happened yesterday. I've noticed that some of the airplane uh, YouTubes that I watch, uh, documentary, historic, or, or modern things like that. Uh, the narrators, especially, have this sort of like generic male voice. Um, they just they're starting to pronounce things wrong, and something. Well, this is unusual. How come I can't? You know, these people can't read. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the things that, the, that you would think they would know how to pronounce. I can't think of anything right now. I'll have to go back and listen. But I, I was listening. I was listening to a, a, um, I was watching a gun video last night, and this was on. Uh, uh, like the six best, you know, tactical revolvers for home defense. It was, just, it was late at night. I'm just kind of perusing, puttering around, looking at gun videos. And all of a sudden, that this Kimber one came up. Uh, and I forgot what it was called, but it's the Kimber Revolver. And I posted this on my Facebook page, and it's in the Action Radio Gun Group. So my Facebook page is, in, well, I guess my page is public. You can look at it there. But it's also um, on the Action Radio Gun Group. And the way they talked about this Kimber Revolver, they called it the, uh, the unyielding embrace of stainless steel. The, the seductive pull of the trigger. I, thought, is this, I said, what the hell am I listening to? Is this some dating site? It sounds like a dating site. It's, they've got the language completely wrong. And so whoever programmed the, the artificial intelligence to do this video really screwed up because this, this, it's almost like the Bud Light version. You know, it's it's the, the Dylan Mulvaney. It's like the, the feminine to masculine version of, of how to get a gun, you know, by making it treat it like a date, like a woman kind of thing. It, it, you're not going to feel the guys doing this. You're not. Guys are not going to take like they're not going to buy a gun which has a, a seductive trigger. You know, we're going to have we're going to buy a gun that has a crisp trigger, a nice break, a clean break. It's an accurate thing. And we're not going to buy a gun that has the unyielding embrace of stainless steel. We're going to have a, a we're going to buy a gun that has the the strength, the anti-corrosive, the, um, you know, maybe the beauty of stainless steel, but not the unyielding embrace. We do not embrace our stainless steel. We do not cuddle with our guns. <laughs> you know, this is hysterical. Anyway, so you've got to check out this video. I'm going to post more of these uh, because they're funny. 
Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm still thinking I'm doing the Action Radio Comedy Group. That's that's going to be very interesting. Um, but uh, that's that's what I'm looking at. <laughs> it's like, oh, wait a minute. So check out the videos. And in fact, anybody has a, a video that they find uh, that strikes you as artificial intelligence, then let me know. <laughs> you know, post the, put the put the link on, on the, the live chat here because that was hysterical. All right. So that's that's the funny part. Something else is serious, though. Um, I just saw a friend of mine um, on the news. And this was my friend Catherine Arnett, who was on the show a year ago, maybe. I'm not sure what. She's been court-martialed twice. Uh, she's either in Japan or the United States. I'm not sure the details. Uh, I'd like to get her back on the show, you know, when this clears up. But right now, uh, there's a group that's fighting for her. I think she's in her second court-martial for refusing to uh, take an illegal COVID jab. And so that's, um, that's a problem. She was on the show. Captain Tom Stewart brought her on. Captain Tom um, Callsign Jaguar used to do a regular report of this. I think he was on maybe six weeks in a row. His incredible report. And so one of the guests he brought on was Catherine Arnett, um, who I've talked to on Facebook. And so I'm trying to get back in touch with. Anyway, there's an organization trying to help her, which I want to report on too. And that way you guys can maybe help her as well. I'm going to contact them. Uh, and see if I can uh, also reach Catherine. I'd love to get her back on the show uh, just to get the update. But again, she, you know, I don't, I don't know where she is, but it's called Pipe Hitter, P-I-P-E-H-I-T-T-E-R. So PipeHitterFoundation.org. And it says Pipe Hitter Foundation is calling for the immediate release of Lance Corporal Catherine Arnett. Uh, and it's hashtag Free Arnett. Uh, the Marine Corps retaliates against young Christian uh, Marine who refused the V-A-X, they call it, facing second court martial. She didn't do anything wrong. It's an experimental drug. They can't take experimental drugs anyway. She actually followed orders by not, uh, by not taking it, by refusing it. In fact, anybody who, uh, who refused the jab was, was following legitimate legal orders. The, or, the mandate was illegal, as we all know. Then it says, uh, thrown into solitary confinement at the brig at Miramar. Okay, so she's back in the United States. On pretrial restriction in lieu of arrest. <laughs> pretrial restriction? That, that's like, so, so, so she's a political prisoner. She's just like the J6. Well, she's a political prisoner. Then it says PHF, which is the Pipe Hitters Foundation, is working closely with Catherine's, Catherine's mother, who states, quote, my daughter is locked up in the Miramar Brig. I have not heard from her since April 17th. I'm in fear for her safety. I do not have any idea uh, on how to proceed. Yeah, I don't either, but we know who folks, we know, I have friends. Captain Tom Stewart, uh, I think it's Lieutenant Colonel David Trombley. I'll talk to him after the show, too. It says, my daughter refused COVID-19 vaccine and was retaliated against by her command. Yeah, exactly. You know, because they want everybody, you know, the Marines who are, you know, have to be in perfect shape to do what they do. You know, they're given a jab, which, which you know, kills a lot of them and injures a whole lot more. Uh, it's, uh, it's at best counterintuitive. At worst, it's murder. So I'm not sure what's going on with these people. Uh, even the commandant, in fact, I saw the, the Matt Gates David Trombley special on One American News, and even the, the Marine commandant, the second in command of the Marines, um, who is, has been vaccine injured, you know, still said, you know, he has a left hand that can't work, so he uses, or he has a right hand that can't work, so he uses the left hand for stuff now. Uh, he says, well, I need my Marines to take the, uh, uh, take the shot. Don't, don't talk about the fact that, you know, it's dangerous. And he said that, and that's what uh, David Trombley and Matt Gates were reporting, Matt Gates being my Congress uh, representative. So anyway, um, so there's the site. Once again, Pipe Hitter Foundation, P-I-P-E-H-I-T-T-E-R uh, foundation.org. And they've got a section on Catherine Arnett. And I'll see what I can find out. Uh, and again, her story, let's, uh, I want to get her obviously back on the air uh, to tell her story, but we'll see what's going on with that. Okay, busy morning, uh, as you might expect. The other thing that happened uh, yesterday, uh, Pianchi and I got into a rather heated discussion um, over voting. And his contention was that uh, non-citizens are voting, and I'm saying that non-citizens shouldn't vote. It should be illegal. I thought it was, but apparently it's not. 
And so I found, a, uh, I did a little research on this last night, and I found something. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, U.S. Code. To, to, oh, my God, this is my seditious conspiracy. We'll get to that in a bit. Who can and cannot vote? So I pulled up a site yesterday on the show in the last hour, and it was from USA.gov. So this would be a government website. Website.gov makes it government. Uh, USA, it says, who can and can't vote? Who can vote? Now, as far as I'm concerned, these are the only people that should be able to vote. Uh, U.S. citizens. Uh, people who meet their, meet their state's residency requirement are over 18 and are registered to vote, which means they've had their citizenship checked. Uh, so those are the people who can vote. Now, it's, it's, uh, the only, those are for federal, state, uh, and most local elections. And now it's, it's the local elections that I'm concerned with because it says who cannot vote, and there's a section here that says non-citizens cannot vote, including permanent legal residents, cannot vote in federal, state, and then it says and most local elections. Okay. Well, see, that's the problem. So how can you how can you say that uh, non citizens can vote even at all in local elections and uh, you know why say that they're not citizens they have no stake in this country yet yeah they might be permanent residents and of course the illegal aliens can't vote ever for anything because they can't even be here they can't have rights well, they don't have rights they certainly don't have the right to vote so anybody that, you can't make you can't make a situation where illegal aliens can vote because they can't be here. You can't vote in a place you can't be in. You can't have rights in a place you can't be in. You can't have government benefits or services in a place you can't be in. I mean, that's just basic logic. Anyway, but because there's this little distinction, I started looking at it. Well, let's, uh, let's see what we can find out here. Maybe give this a little bit more, um, a little bit more attention. So this is the USA.gov website. So let's take another one that I found here. And this is Jeff Duncan, U.S. Congressman serving South Carolina's 2nd District. He has some rather strong opinions, and I tend to agree with him. Uh, you'll notice I tend to put the articles on that I agree with as opposed to the ones that I do not agree with. He says, stop pretending non-citizen voting is normal. It's not. And this is from February 8th of 2022. Voting rights is one of the hottest topics in Washington and will likely continue to guide the political conversation through the rest of this Congress. Ultimately, I believe the discussion over voting should focus on election integrity, improving the public's confidence in our election process by implementing common sense security measures like voter ID requirements. Well, the best is a trash truck outside. I don't know if you can hear it. There it goes. The best way to, uh, to make the public confident uh, in the election process is to correct the 2020 election and, and declare Trump you know, the legitimate winner and Brandon an illegal, traitorous uh, coup, uh, deep state fraud. I mean, that, that's how you restore confidence. Okay? You restore confidence by actually having the election work properly, and that would be the correct result. And I was thinking about this today, even my own congressperson. Uh, Matt Gates uh, and other folks in Congress, Republicans, Jim Jordan, they all, you know, they all say the same thing. They, even, they, they say the words President Biden. Okay? If you believe that it was a coup, if you believe, as I do, or if you know, I should say make it stronger, if you know this was a coup, if you know the government has been taken over by the Obama you know, cabal, if you know that uh, the, the, the mountains upon mountains uh, of election evidence you know, is real and is simply being suppressed, then you cannot say the words President Biden. You just can't. You can't say, uh, you know, the Biden administration. You can't. There is no Biden administration. There is no President Biden. There is just an imposter, you know, masquerading as, as president in the White House. And that is illegal. We have no legitimate federal government right now. So obviously you don't have to obey anything they say because they're not a legitimate federal government. Anybody that's arrested is, is arrested unjustly. And the executive order is not an executive order. It's unjust. And anybody that votes, as far as I'm concerned, who's an illegal alien, is also part of the coup. And that's how they're doing it. So let's get back to voting requirements. Anyway, that's just, that's just a, little, a little sideline thing, that if you support the coup, you can say President Biden. If you do not support the coup, 
if you believe that those traitorous, you know, they should all be in jail, then you can't say President Biden. All right, back to the article. He says, Democrats, on the other hand, want to head uh, in the opposite direction. We all know about their open border immigration policies that have led to a crisis on our southern border. Okay, no, there's no, there's no crisis on our southern border. Okay, let's talk about what's really going on. It's not a crisis. They didn't, they didn't somehow goof. They, they, you know, this is all intentional. This is an invasion at our southern border. This is an intentional vote fraud invasion. This is ultimately to, to destroy the United States um, through people voting for the Democrat Party, which to me is the ultimate terrorist group in this country right now, um, for what they're doing. And so they're, you know, they're bringing in – this is their army. This is their Democrat army. The, the, you know, this, is, this is, I haven't really thought about this. This is kind of like the Civil War all over again, don't you think? Let's put this down here. So we're 517. I'll do my, my notes for today. Like I said, I got a little discombobulated when we started the show. So this is the new Civil War. This is the new Confederacy. Oh, I've got to go show. I can do this. This is the new Confederacy. So the Democrat Party is the new Confederacy. Oh, I think I'm onto something here. I'll, I'll post. I'll, I'll do a Substat article on this Confed, Confederacy. The, so the Democrat Party, new civil So the Democrats are the. I'm writing feverishly away here. New Confederacy. So what was the Confederacy? The Confederacy was designed to split the nation uh, into the slave states and the uh, the free states. And there's a lot more to it. Yes, there were taxes. Yes, there was trade. Yes, there's a bunch of other stuff. But when you look at the South, were Democrats. The Confederacy, the entire Confederate government were Democrats. This is the new Civil War. I don't know if anybody's ever – let's do a quick search. Let's see if anybody else calls it. Dem- Democrats are causing a second Civil War. Let's see what I can find here. Democrats. Demo. Democrats. Maybe I'm breaking new ground here. Let's find out. Democrats are causing second Civil War. So it comes up, shall we? It's live radio. I can do this. I don't care. Oh, there's a, is the U.S. really heading for a second civil war? Here we go. You know how I'm sorry about this? I should get him back on. Uh, Robert Spencer. Robert Spencer of Jihad Watch. He had a book, The Second Civil War. But I don't know if it's quite the, uh, the same way. So let's, let me look up. Uh, um, he says these people say we're heading for a second civil war. But they're not saying that the Democrats are causing it. So in other words, they're not talking about the new Confederacy. The Democrats are... This is the new Confederacy. The new Confederacy. Let's see what comes up. Confederacy. Confederacy wasn't what you think. Oh, that's the Atlantic. They don't care. Democrats form new Confederacy founded on, on what? How the Confederacy still divides America. The French Confederate States of Canada. Okay, fine. All right, so I'm right. <laughs> it's brand new. No one's on live chat. All right. So, yeah, so the Democrats are, this is the new Confederacy. And the new Confederacy, the new Confederate Army is the illegal aliens. They are the new Confederate Army. So all these people crossing the southern border, you know, they've all been recruited into the new, this is, this is, that's their army, the Civil War. So the Democrats are recruiting illegal aliens for their army. So, the, so what the rest of the country has to do, uh, the American citizens, we're the other side. So the Americans represent the republic. The illegal aliens in the Democrat Party represent the new Confederacy. So, so it's Americans. I'm going to write this down too. I think I'm onto something here. So Americans, Americans equal the Republic, and Dems plus illegals plus illegals are the Confederacy. 
Back to the article. Uh, yeah, that's how I think this is lining up. And so we, we need to start characterizing that uh, as it is. This, then he says, this is back to uh, Jeff Duncan, congressperson from the 3rd District of South Carolina. Over the past few years, an alarming uh, trend has popped up in cities nationwide where non-citizen foreign nationals, and in some cases illegal aliens, my word, he said immigrants, illegal aliens, are allowed to vote in local elections. Again, like I've said, non-citizens should not be able to, under any circumstances, illegal aliens can't even be here. So that's a no-brainer. Of course they can't vote. Uh, any illegal alien that tries to vote should be immediately uh, caught, deported, asset forfeited, and away you go. Then it says illegal aliens are allowed to vote in local elections. As I write this, non-citizens can vote in certain elections in New York, San Francisco, Chicago, leftist. Yeah, part of the Confederacy, right? <laughs> so they're part of the Democrat Confederacy. And then it says in some jurisdictions in Vermont and Maryland. Well, Bernie Sanders is in Vermont. Maryland uh, obviously is a, is a, a leftist state. Uh, as non-citizen voting becomes increasingly popular across the country. Well, it's not a question of whether it's popular, popular or not. The question is whether it's legal or not. And if it is legal, it shouldn't be. As far as I'm concerned, it's not legal for non-citizens to vote. Because voting is to elect a government, you know, a constitutional government. And since non-citizens are not part of the Constitution uh, yet, you know, legal aliens are, are not, even, not even allowed to be in the country. Uh, there's no reason for non-citizens to vote. The other reason, the thing that they can't do is serve on a jury. Now, why is that? Why would not? What, what, what is so important about a jury um, that, uh, that the founding fathers said that, citizens, that non-citizens can't serve on a jury? Well, the reason is because the jury decides whether the laws are constitutional or not. Juries decide whether the laws are just or not, and they do that in trial. And if, they, if someone is, is in, say, in California, uh, guilty of, of carrying a concealed weapon without a permit, and they, they applied for and couldn't get a permit, even though they're a decent person, uh, that law is unjust. So what you do is you find the person not guilty, not guilty because the Second Amendment says they can carry a gun, and they don't even need a permit. So the law itself is wrong. So that's where the jury, and you want citizens on juries just for that reason, because the only people who should be making laws or correcting laws or avoiding laws are citizens. Same thing with voting. The only people who should be deciding who should be in office you know, to uphold the Constitution, to swear an oath to protect our rights, our property, and our, and our, our, you know, our lives from invasion and our country from invasion are citizens. In fact, the non-citizens should become citizens, the ones who came here legitimately and, and legally as immigrants, and the, the, the folks that uh, you know, dropped here illegally, well, it's time to go home. You're not going to be voting anyway. Then it says, non-citizen voting dilutes the value of citizenship. Hey, what a good comment. Normalizes illegal immigration uh, and invites foreign nationals to interfere in U.S. elections. This is very true. Non-citizen voting dilutes the value of citizenship, normalizes illegal aliens, I'm going to say, and invites foreign nationals to interfere in U.S. elections. The idea of non-citizen voting is absurd. If an American citizen moved to another country, would he expect to have a say in how that country is run without first becoming a citizen? Of course not. So he says, I have introduced legislation to combat this practice since 2018 because of the dangerous precedent this sets and the impact it would have on the fabric of our republic. What I find interesting is that very few Americans that I've spoken with are in favor of non-citizen voting. Most people are either appalled or refuse to believe this happens in the United States. I agree. Uh, I, I didn't know. So um, Pianchi pointed that out. But as far as I know, as far as I was, was always taught, at least when I got my citizenship, you couldn't vote as a non-citizen. No exceptions. He says, being an American citizen comes with great benefits and responsibilities, including the privilege of voting in elections uh, to choose who represents us in government. I mean, interesting, he says, the privilege of voting. So I still believe voting is right, um, but I don't believe that... Uh, 
like the, the right to uh, keep and bear arms, you know, the government doesn't give you a gun just so you can express your right. The government doesn't have to take Herculean efforts to make sure that you can vote either. Well, that's a hot topic. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Then he says, uh, and he says, allowing non-citizens to vote suppresses the voice of citizens. See, that's what the Texas lawsuit was all about. The re- and the Supreme Court was, was mandated by Article 3 of the Constitution to take the Texas case to determine whether the Brandon electors were legal or should be disqualified. And the reason was because the, the vote fraud that went on uh, in states like Pennsylvania, Georgia, Minnesota, Michigan, Nevada, Arizona, and New Mexico did not only diluted the vote, they changed the vote. They actually changed the outcome. Because Brand- and those Brandon electors, the legitimate, the, 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 what should happen with these cases is that they should be disqualified. The, the Supreme Court could have, I mean, Priyanka and I were, like I say, arguing over this yesterday, but the Supreme Court was duty-bound to take the case, and what they should have found is that the Brandon electors were fraudulent, you know, owing to the mountains of evidence proving that the Brandon electors were fraudulent. <laughs> you know, so that, to me, that's not even a question. Anyway, so the result would be that the Brandon electors would be disqualified, the Trump electors would uh, take their place, Trump would be elected, would be put in office, and away you go. Now, he should be put in office um, simply to correct the record. I don't care when they do it, but the, the record has to be corrected. So the historical record has to say that Trump won the, the 2020 election. Has to, because that's what happened. Otherwise, we have fraudulent history. <laughs> but that's never happened before. All right, so, so there we go. So, and there's more to this article, but I'm going to leave it because I want to get another one here uh, as, I'm, as I'm doing articles on this. Because like I say, when's going to join me in a few minutes? New York Post, one of my favorite uh, dailies, as they say. Uh, here's one from uh, the Post editorial board. Uh, New York Post says, citizenship matters. Why it's wrong to let non-citizens vote. Agree. This is New York Post. This is why the New York Post is one of the best, uh, and one of the oldest, I think, uh, but one of the best news sources out there. Article says, uh, the, the, the editorial board said, City Councilman Idanes Rodriguez, Democrat of Washington Heights, is leading a drive to give the right to vote in municipal elections to non-citizens living legally in the city. Okay, so we're talking about permanent residents, not illegals. Because if illegals are here, they're not living legally in the city, although I think that's what's going on here. Uh, article says, it's the latest push by progressive legislators to make citizenship mean nothing. Good point. The idea, uh, let me see, so I'll check them out here real quick, just to make sure all is well in the air. Yep, okay, we're good, broadcasting. Uh, I never know exactly what's going on until I check it. Uh, we're going to get levels, and we're going to have a producer at some point here, uh, hopefully fairly soon. Um, so I won't have to ask that question. I, just, I can just say, hey, are we broadcasting? Yep. Okay, good. So the article says the idea has been kicking around in New York City since at least 2004, where Councilman Bill Perkins, D. Harlem, proposed a similar bill. Then Mayor Mike Bloomberg opposed it. An awful lot of pe- he says an awful lot of people over the years have fought and died for the right to vote. And I don't think that we should walk away uh, from that concept. So interesting. So Democrats are pushing this. Uh, yes. Except these are minority Democrats pushing this. I don't know why. I'm just, I, I, just the, 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 the whole split in this country between people of color and people of, of uh, non-color, like me, in other words, white folks, uh, I'm just curious that I would say most Americans, I don't know, we're going to have to, uh, we'll have to do a little patriot check. I mean, are, are more minorities Democrats and more uh, white folks Republicans? Probably. <laughs> you know, are, are more, you know, white Americans patriotic compared to more minority Americans? Probably. So, so this is an interesting split. So we, we can talk about that. We're going to explore that a little bit more um, as time goes on. Then the article says, indeed, citizenship should mean something. should mean everything as far as government, right? And the right to vote is a big part of it. Yeah, I agree. It is. Voting is a right. Voting is absolutely right. But again, the government does not have to take Herculean efforts to make sure you can participate. It's a right. You have access to vote. They can't block you. 
They can't stop you from voting. They can't stop anybody from voting. They can't put any, anything in your way to voting. But they also don't have to uh, you know, bring a, a government official to your, your hospital bed in the nursing home to make sure that you, you know, cast your ballot when you can't even read at this point in your life. They don't have, and that, that, that to me is criminal. So it's ballot harvesting. We'll, we'll talk about that later too. It's the citizens should mean something, and the right to vote is a big part of it. And while most Americans are born citizens, an immigrant's affirmative decision to become a citizen is a vital acceptance of duties as well as privileges. I accepted that when I took the oath uh, to be a citizen. Quote, I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty. And that's the oath of allegiance for the newly naturalized. And I took that oath. And I took it, you know, uh, what, what do they say, without uh, coercion or mental reservation? Yep, absolutely took it. And it says, and I will support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America against all faith and allegiance to them, including military service and other work of national importance as required by law. Well, I think I'm doing work of national importance right here. And so I have no problem with that. Now, was I born in Canada? Sure. Do I have great feelings for Canada? Absolutely. Am I, am, I, am I loyal and bound by, uh, by Canada if they call me up and require me to do something? No, <laughs> absolutely not. I'm an American citizen. Okay? So as far as Canada is concerned, I'm still Canadian, and I can still get a Canadian passport. Okay? But my citizenship is American. See, that's the difference. See, when you become an American, you have to give up uh, all, all the citizenships. It doesn't mean you don't have a you know, soft place in your heart for it. And I do want to explore Canada and get to know, uh, you know Canada better because uh, I left when I was eight years old. Um, and I do want to uh, do a lot with Canada in terms of legislation, but they're a parliamentary system. They don't have the constitution we have. And so, you know, when I swear to uphold this constitution, this is, this is, how, I, this is how I exercise that, all right? So if you want to know how I, how I am uh, exercising my oath to this country, creating Action Radio, okay? Pretty simple, huh? Then the last little paragraph here, and we're not even talking in logistics. New York City may allow non-citizen voting in municipal offices, but that wouldn't extend to state or federal ones, and that's actually by law. For some elections, that'll mean entirely separate ballots for these special voters. See, that's what Pianchi's advocating. You know, he wants separate ballots for federal and state elections. So in that respect, you might have federal, state, and local elections. But you see, I, I wouldn't do that because I wouldn't allow non-citizens to vote. So guess what we're going to do at Action Radio? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to have a bill that only citizens can vote. Uh, and we, we, we already have a jury bill, um, but uh, this should be interesting. Anyway, last little part of the article before when he gets here. Rodriguez calls his bill uh, a thumb in the eye of, quote, that guy in D.C. because he's been anti-immigrant. Uh, I guess they're talking about Trump. And it says the 22 other council members co-sponsoring it presumably agree. But one extreme, see, that's liberals. But one extreme doesn't justify another. As Councilman Kalman Yeager D. Brooklyn puts it, it's not progressive to tell legal residents of the United States that citizenship has no value. Agreed. Good Democrat. He says, we'll cheer any city leader who encourages immigrants to become citizens in order to participate in elections. Fine by me. But please don't devalue U.S. citizenship out of sheer partisan peak. No, I think, uh, I think there's a civil war. I think the Democrats have started a new confederacy, and their army is the illegal aliens. They're trying to sabotage the vote. They're going mostly to Republican districts. In fact, I saw something uh, at the Arise Patriots website. These folks are going to Republican districts. Um, that's uh, the, the whole point. 70% of the illegals are going to Republican, you know, mainly districts, and that's to destroy the Republican vote, okay? Destroy the Electoral College, destroy everything else. That's what they do. Okay, so this is the point where, well, let me see, I'm looking for like anything. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I gave that, uh, that AI to our group chat, 
we have an extra radio group chat, which is only for you know extra radio folks, obviously. Um, but uh, I gave them the the, the video. <laughs> we'll see what they say. That should be kind of funny. Okay, I don't see anything from Wendy, so I assume she's going to call in here uh, anytime now. So let me just what should I play for you guys? Um, and I can do you know just a couple things real quickly here. Yep, there she is. <laughs> Great timing, Wendy. <laughs> she must have been listening to me because uh, I was just about to play something. But now I don't have to do that. We can go right to the Oh My God Report with Wendy Arthur. Here we go. Do you really want the truth? Do you have questions you can't ask in church? Welcome to the Oh My God Report. Wendy Arthur is more concerned with truth than propaganda, putting more value in scripture than religion, and more about you and your relationship with God than your membership in any church. This is Christianity with a kick. You know, we don't make fun of uh, Muslims enough on this show, Wendy. What do you think? <laughs> we make fun of everybody. What do you mean? <laughs> Well, that's true, but uh, did you get a chance to, to peruse my, my recently released last night, um, Sports Illustrated Muslim Bikini Swimsuit Edition? <laughs> uh, I started reading that and got interrupted by a call, but yes, it's, yes, I, you were in rare form, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wrote that a while ago. I'm not sure when. Um, but every once in a while, I discover some old article. And the only way these are going to get seen again, because the publications, you know, they don't republish things, uh, is to redo right. them on Substack. So I'm, I'm actually getting my own collection. of my, It's my article. So they want to come after me and say, I republished this uh, five years ago. Well, I don't care. Come after me. Go ahead. I'm still putting it in my Substack. Anyway, but, uh, but that, was one of, uh, that was one of my favorites, uh, the, the Muslim. Uh, and, you know, see, the problem is we don't make fun of, uh, you know, and that's what we do as Americans. But uh, we should do a thing on, on, on Islam. I don't think you've ever really talked about the origins of Islam and, and Christianity and the Crusades and everything else. That'd be, that could be a series of shows, but that'd be a fascinating thing for us to look into. This is true. That, that would be much more than one show. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, Ahmed Muhammad, you know, uh, it's, it's like there's more to it. <laughs> yeah. Muhammad was born. The I, end. I, <laughs> Sorry. <yeah. laughs> Well, a little more than that, but okay. Yeah, and yeah. there's a – but what we are going to be talking about today is you had uh-huh. suggested um, wanting to know more about the disciples and, and why would these 12 men leave the life that they knew to follow Jesus and, and you know, who were they really? So yeah. I was thinking about that. And um, so I thought that we would start with Luke. Okay. Today, and and I was that's just the, give a little background on that's one of the Gospels of um, Luke, he, he, or is that a different did, Luke? Yes, he did write Luke, which is one of the four Gospels. And for those who don't know, the the Gospels um, are the four the first four books of the New Testament. And so, if you hear somebody refer to, well, it's written in the Gospels, it means it was written in one of the first four books. Um, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were the the authors of the first four books. Um, and the reason they call them the Gospels is because um, it's, it's writing um, about the works that Jesus did um, and the things that he was teaching and, and preaching and what happened to him um, during their, their three years with him. And um, it's interesting how certain Gospels contain, they're, they're looking at the same thing happening, but they're writing it from their own perspective of, of how they write and what they're observing. Um, and so it's interesting 
um, to see the differences in the gospel. Yeah. And people say, oh, well, see, that contradicts. No, it doesn't. It's just that they're writing it from a different observation point. See, this is really this is a very important point because uh, what, this is the way I, I hear it, that the events they're reporting on aren't changing. They're not maybe disputing what actually happened, but it's the interpretation, the meaning, and everything else, or just the way they look at it. But the events themselves are pretty consistent through the Gospels, aren't they? Correct. Think. Okay. Yes. It's just, um, some have uh, more detail or they focused on certain things because that's what that's what hit their heart when they were watching all this happen. So okay. they're writing from the perspective of of what they were they were seeing, um, not not as a a mass you know, uh, reporting agency. You know <laughs> they didn't understand that they they were just writing down what they saw. Um, and Luke was a physician. For those who don't know, he he was a doctor of the day. Mm. Doctor Luke. Um, Doctor Howard. Doctor Fine. Doctor Luke. Yeah. Here you go. And so he was a, a highly educated um, man, and he had an extensive language of the uh, a, a command of the Greek language, and he was the only non-Jew. He was a Gentile huh. in the entire group. That's so isn't it interesting? So did um, he have a religion that, at that point? I mean, what, what was the alternative to being Jewish at that time? I guess Romans didn't have a religion. Uh, they worshipped Caesar. But what? Right, and, and the Greeks um, worshipped... Uh, intellect, basically. I mean, and, and scriptures even mention that. That's called the spirit of the Greek. Um, they're very, they were very proud and arrogant people. Um, and, you know, we'll get into that. And uh, but, Technocracy. <laughs> the, the, the original technocrats. Yeah. He, he was, um, like I said, the only Gentile to write any part of the New Testament at all. Huh. And Luke wrote, um, of course, the book of Luke, one of the Gospels, but he also mm-hmm. wrote the book of Acts which is mm. a huge, huge underwriting. Um, and I'll get to why he wrote that in a minute. But, <laughs> oh, yeah, take um, your time. He was, very, he was highly detailed in his writings. Out, out of all the writers in the Gospels, the four writers of the Gospels, he, he had a lot more details um, written down. Mm. Uh, he noticed different things. You know, he was a highly observant person. Um, and I, so when you say, well, you know, Matthew, um, Luke, I mean, Matthew, John, and, and Mark didn't mention these things. Well, they were not as detailed as Luke. So it's not like they were trying to hide anything. They just didn't observe that particular thing. And if they did, it just didn't hit them the way it hit Luke. So um, huh. if, if you want a detailed account of the Gospels and, and what happened, then, you know, read Luke if, if you're a detailed person. But this he is was also... Okay, go ahead. A close <laughs> friend of the Apostle Paul. Paul, as you know, in the Bible is just, you know, yeah, he's like right hand God, man. Jesus, Holy Spirit, Paul, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he the, so the high, disciples versus apostles. <laughs> what, I'm sorry, what did you say? I, I, he's very highly esteemed in, in, in the Christian church. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's why John Paul named himself that as opposed to George Ringo. But that's another story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't resist so disciples versus apostles we should do a quick thing on that because I want to get to them too so it's Jesus then the apostles and the disciples right or have I got that backwards well it's you have to be a disciple first to become an apostle okay um, but uh, because a disciple simply means you know a, a student of 
something. You are a disciple okay. of something. So, and Jesus of a discipline, says, right? Um, uh, is that where it comes from? Yeah, the yeah, word discipline. Uh, yes, yes. You are disciplined to study and to find out how uh, God wants you to live and, and what He says and and how to apply it. You know, you are you are disciplining yourself to do that. Ooh, and I'm so, a disciple too, um, then. And, I'm learning yeah, all kinds and, of stuff. Yes, yeah. you are. Yeah. And okay. Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, go and make preachers, go and make apostles, go and make, you know, Sunday school teachers. He said, go and make disciples. Um, huh. When you are disciplined enough to to hone the gifts and skills that God is giving you, then you can, you know, it becomes apparent what, what your calling is. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of important to be a disciple. Uh, and huh. we are all to be disciples, by the way. It's not just for the 12. It's for everybody. Okay. Well, that, actually, that makes a lot of sense. You know, the other thing I noticed uh, immediately, too, and this is why I'm glad we're going to be going over all these people, um, is that a lot of times I think people think of, of the Bible uh, as kind of like stories that didn't really happen, some wrong down later, you know, but when you're talking about these people, they're real people. They had occupations, they had lives, they had families, you yeah. know, they, they, did, they did real stuff. And it makes, I think, Christianity much more real uh, for people in a way that just, you know, the sort of the, 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 almost the fairy tale aspect that people seem to apply to the Bible. Well, it's nice, but it happened, you know, we don't really know who wrote it. We don't know what happened. Christianity is kind of a myth, you know, but, these, but Christianity of, of all the religions out there is based on real events, you know, and yeah, so this is, I think, very, very, very different. real events. Right. Yeah. And, and it's important. And you bring up a really good point is that um, they were just like us. They had to yeah. work, they had families, they had, you know, the, uh, in-law problems that they had all that stuff and and Mm -hmm. still when jesus said follow me they left that to follow him they didn't leave their families you know they they didn't take them everywhere but you know they they still came home and you know did the family thing and all that kind of stuff but when there were uh trips to make they followed jesus and they observed all of these things so so that's huge too that, that takes the whole Do cult what? idea out of it. It's the whole cult idea. Jesus said, follow me. And they gave up everything and they wandered forever and ever and left their families and left their job. And that didn't happen. So that's really important. It is important. Yeah, And, and some um, who didn't have uh, a family at home or whatever, they had father and mother. And still, the culture of the day was you stayed at home and you served your father and mother and, and learned to trade and all that kind of stuff until you found a wife and you went out to, to you know, start your own family and all that kind of stuff, you know, but mm-hmm. so start it's, it's really, starting your begetting, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> start, start the begetting thing. Um, okay. But it's, so it's kind of important to realize that um, they were not these, these, this isolated group of people that <clears throat> had no life, you know, right. they live life yeah. just like we do, you know, mm-hmm. So um, just kind of keep that in mind. So that was a really good thing to bring up. Oh, um, so anyway, so Luke and, and Paul were, were close friends, and it says uh, they called them co-laborers. When Paul went on his missionary journeys, and he had three major ones, lots, lots of them, but three major ones where he went throughout, you know, great areas um, telling people about Jesus, Luke was with him on two of those journeys. And, and on one of them, yet he, he, Luke stayed in a, in a particular region to continue the work that Paul had started there while Paul went on you know, to other regions and then came back around and picked Luke up on the way back to where they were coming from. So uh, it, this, is just, this is a lot of traveling together, um, knowing each other well. But so, um, as a matter of fact, Paul calls him the, the beloved physician. You know, he, he was 
you know, they had a great relationship. How do you get to so be a physician? A, uh, where, where would you learn that back then? What, what kind of physician stuff were they learning? Well, you know, back then there were no pharmacies, you know, so right. they, they had plants and, and all kinds of stuff that we should be actually using today. <laughs> well, we do, but the big pharma makes them into pills. The, but, you know, I mean, but the original pharmacists, you know, were, you know, plants and herbs. You look at all the, the you know, every indigenous people, every, uh, you know, cultures all around the world, yeah. the Asian Asian medicine, Chinese medicine is based on, uh, on the natural products, not, not on the pill from big pharma. So it's, it's still right. here. Yeah. Okay. It is so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh. And don't use leeches, um, by the way. They don't work. But that's just a side. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's also mentioned in scripture about Luke that he, um, he had knowledge of sailing and he mm. was really good at navigation. So those are kind of cool skills to have. Um, and of course, minute, if you were before... in Greece, you were, you were surrounded by water. So <laughs> it makes sense. But this is before latitude and longitude. So how did they navigate? Does the Bible make a reference to how they navigated? But did they have the concepts of north, south, east, and west at that point? I believe they did. I don't know if they called it north, south, east, and west, but yeah, they, yeah, okay, so they had to. So there's, there's your question for next week. How did, how did, the, how did they navigate? Go ahead. Because Scripture talks about that Jesus removes your sin from you as far as east is from west. And oh. I find that very interesting that he didn't say north and south because north and south have poles. East and west do not. No, but they have the sun. Yes, yeah, true. Sunri- but what sun- I'm saying is, right. I, I was referencing sin, but you know, separating us as far as east is from west, which is obviously farther than north is from south. So I thought that Much was interesting. Is, well, actually, they're not. <laughs> but, but you know, but I'm kind of curious. Well, you know me. I'm the you know. Look, I used to teach flying. I know navigation. I know the story of longitude and and then, and latitude and the differences. I'm just curious how they navigate it. Um, it, it may be a little esoteric for our chat here, but it, you know, I, just, I don't know where to find that stuff. Well, but that'd be interesting. Well, How they navigate did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. They, they they navigated by the stars. Uh-huh. So you know. But which they, which I one? I mean, had they picked the North Star, and the, you know, I mean, that's how I navigate. And a little bit about celestial navigation. Well, yeah. Okay. My dad did that because he was a captain. Yeah. Of what? He, he did the stars at night. And of a boat. Oh. Interesting. Okay. Can you use the sextant? Yeah. He was, he, Just out of curiosity? He was a commercial fisherman. Oh, Do what? Wow. Can you use the sextant? Can you shoot the sun and get your latitude? I can't, no. Okay. Just curious. We're, we're digressing yeah, here, but it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Not my job. <laughs> okay. Just curious. Yeah. Back to Luke. <laughs> yeah. Back to Luke. <laughs> um, so... I was asking God about Luke, you know, because these are all little fun facts about Luke, but uh, I, I wanted some input from God about Luke. Mm-hmm. And so I was asking him, I said, so, I mean, you know the disciples more intimately than anybody. So <laughs> what, what, what about Luke? You know, what do you want people to know about Luke? And God just, in just a very delightful tone in his voice, he says, I love Luke. He <laughs> 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 said, Looks like the dude. He's um, the man. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, he said, um, Luke marveled at the healings Jesus did. And God said he paid great attention to them because they didn't involve any schooling or study on Jesus' part. 
Luke hmm. was a very proud man until Jesus bid him to follow him. And I thought, that's interesting because I don't, you know, that's not mentioned in scripture. But mm-hmm. as I pondered that statement that he was a proud man um, and, and arrogant, um, or, or he didn't say he was arrogant, he said he was proud. But um, There's a difference. There's a very the key Greeks difference. Were known, yeah, the Greeks yeah. were known in scripture for their arrogance. I mean, they absolutely looked down upon anybody who was not intellectual. Right. Um, and, and they highly prized um, intellect and beauty and social status. Those mm-hmm. three things were like highly prized. And, and, and look at their heroes, you know, Socrates, Plato, all those. And, um, and philosophy, you know, was, was really a big thing um, in the Greek culture. So does that sound familiar today? But okay. A lot of it sounds familiar. Yeah. Yet after following Jesus um, and, and keenly observing Jesus' works and ways, Luke was greatly humbled. Um, because he saw that none of the things prized in the Greek or the Hebrew cultures had anything to do with the salvation of men's souls. And in the end, oh, that's, that's all that matters. Yeah. Yes. So how, how did Luke describe Jesus in the Bible? Well, did he do that? I, I would suggest, yes. Um, go read Luke and Acts. Uh, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So go read Luke, and then right after John is Acts. Right after the Gospels is Acts. Um, and, yeah, you, you will see. Now, fact, now, you know I have Luke, the attention span of a gnat. You know I can't read more than a paragraph without falling asleep or getting distracted. <laughs> this has always been my problem. Well, that's on you. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, I know it's on me. This is why I have you on the show. As a disciple. This, this is my Bible class. I'm not that, I'm not that discipled. Go. I'm not that disciplined. I try. I, really, I do. I really do. Well, well you're going to get me a, I need a commentary develop. version or, you know, the cliff notes version. Something, <laughs> I, can read, something I can read fast. Well, you know, I, Luke, I Luke extract, back. Luke extracted or yes. something. I don't know. <laughs> um, Sorry, I wanted to kind of back up what, um, what God told me about, you know, he was proud until he, he followed Jesus and saw, uh, what was what was really important, you know, um, mm-hmm. because Luke never references himself in the two books he wrote. Hmm. So that's interesting. Luke wrote both. Now, and they weren't books back then. You know, we called them books. They were actually letters. Um, mm. They were just merely writing letters when, when they were writing these things. But um, both Luke wrote both um, Luke and Acts. Um, to a guy named Theophilus. And um, to, we don't know much about Theophilus. Um, the only thing I can, can, can infer from that is that Theophilus was, was, might, might have been a family member of Luke's um, or a dear friend, but somehow in the mix, he was very important to Luke because um, he was writing Luke and Acts to Theophilus to explain about the person and the works of Jesus Christ. Hmm. So um, he wanted Theophilus to know about Jesus and he wanted him to be saved. So obviously he was very important to Luke. So that's the only mention we really have of Theophilus um, in the scriptures is, is in those two books. So the one other thing that God said about Luke is that he's, he was kind. Hmm. 
Hmm. And I started to really think about that. I said, how cool is that? I mean, how would you like to have the creator of the universe, universe take note that you are kind and he wanted people to know about it? Listen, I'd be happy, you know, God just, you know, said, hey, yep, see what you're doing. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> you know, yeah. Give me a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Make me a T-shirt or something <laughs> like that, you know, with like this voice from, uh, you know, the voice of God from heaven. Keep going, Greg. <laughs> you know, yeah. Thanks, God. Well, we're going to make that, t-shirts for all of us anyway, but that, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so he wanted me to know, and he wanted mm-hmm. me to tell others that Luke was kind. So how cool is that? So if he was going to pick out um, a, a, a notable thing about each person, <clears throat> mm-hmm. what, would, what would that be? Would, so if he looks at you, Greg, and he says, you know what? That boy is determined. <laughs> yeah, and, you know I, he is. He's determined. He is like a bulldog with lockjaw, and um, I yeah. and he loves that. About <laughs> That's him. a great expression. Yeah, you know. So, mm-hmm. and how cool is that? And oh, yeah. so, and that would be something everybody needs to conjure today. If if God, if you knew that God was watching you and observing you, um, not just today, but over time. What would the one thing, what characteristic about you would he point out and want others to know about? Hmm. See, my first thought was imagination. That's the thing that popped into my head. Uh, that uh, determined, yes, but determined, that's, that's something you can do. Uh, imagination is something that is like a gift from God. And so that's, uh, unless he put that thought into my head at this second when we happen to be on the report. You know, but, um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, what pops into your head? Uh, I would probably, he would say that I am hospitable. I, I love to make sure that people are taken care of and they are um, treated well. Nah, it's more than that. You're underestimating think... yourself. Way underestimating. Okay. <laughs> I had a feeling this was going to happen. Hold on a minute, Wendy. Yes, God? Yeah, of course you put that idea into my head. Yes, I should have known. Oh, you got a different thing for Wendy? You want her to figure it out? You're not going to tell you? You're not going to tell me. You're just going to tell her, and then she'll repeat. Okay, I got it. All right. Thanks, God. Appreciate it. It's up to you, Wendy. You got to come up with your own term. For those that have never heard that before, God does call the Action Radio Show. This is the only this is the only show in, in, in broadcast history that God calls directly, just to let you know. And he has his own phone ring. That's how it works. He does. Yeah. God's own school. Yeah. God's here. So so you gotta come up with your own term. But you I and I that was my first thought too. You have vastly underestimated what you do. You're a teacher. Uh, of many things. And so hospitable? No, 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 no. I would say, you know, God's educator. Uh if I had this first thing that popped into my head. That's a cool thing. I like it. <laughs> yeah, make a t- make a t-shirt. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, 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 yeah. So give yourself a subheading: God's educator. So your job is to okay. educate people about God. That's what you do. You don't just you're not just hospitable. I mean, that's part of it. Just like being determined is part of what I do. But the real gift from God is the, is my imagination that comes up with all this crazy, like the the Muslim swimsuit Sports Illustrated bikini edition. Yeah. Where, where did it's that come from? Not, yeah. To me, your best work is still the grocery store, but okay. <laughs> oh, have you heard that in a while? It, I, uh, no, I have not heard that in a while. I think that deserves to be played. <laughs> I think so, too. Here we go. Hello, America. 
Looks like millions of you are in states where the governor dictator has said that food is essential, but God is not. Fortunately, we have a solution for you. We've combined your essential food shopping with a non-essential religious experience. Being in the same building and being completely intertwined, you can't do one without the other. Welcome to the New Normal Church and Grocery Store. Yes, the New Normal Church and Grocery Store is the first business of its kind to bring God conveniently into your food shopping aisle. Think of this as food for your body and food for your soul. No social distance or group size restrictions here. Upon entering the New Normal Church and Grocery Store, you will pick up your shopping cart. You can then choose from an optional mask with a Star of David, a cross, a crescent moon, a sun for you Shintos, a statue of Buddha, and for you agnostics, a question mark. Headsets are available to place sermons throughout your shopping experience. Some of the favorites include, I'm going to heaven and you're not, die infidel die, oi, what not to say during the brisk, and that butterfly may be your grandfather. To orient you to the store, the Kosher Jewish Deli is by the Western Wall. A simple shalom gets you service, but be prepared to haggle. For you Muslims, out of courtesy, we put the halal butcher by the Eastern Wall. Sharia store policies require the wearing of both a burqa and a mask, just to be safe. Protestants will find the Wonder Bread, Hot Dogs, and Steak in the central aisles, where all the best-dressed customers can also be found. When you notice the smell of incense, you are nearing the Buddhist section, which is all vegetarian. For Catholics, communion is available in the bakery department by the wafers near the red wine section. Agnostics should go directly to customer service because you folks have no idea what you want anyway. Be sure to offer your confessional to the checker on the way out if you so choose. Please don't forget to first pull down the blind on the plexiglass screen. And if you require ministering, you can talk to your bagger as they push your groceries to your car because all our baggers are cross-trained in theology. The new normal church and grocery store, your combination alternatives to the separation of church by the state. That's still hysterical. It really is. That is. <laughs> I think I give myself a round of applause on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, we should do a show on God and humor. Like... Go ahead. Yeah, so you might want to do a little remix and, and make the music just a little bit quieter so you can hear everything that you're saying, but that is hysterical. Well, I, I could, but the only thing is uh, these things, they, um, I, they're, they're disappearing somewhere in my uh, uh, Adobe Audition program, and I'm not sure how or where they go because I haven't been able to find them. And oh. <laughs> once, you, once you make the mix, you're kind of stuck. I'd have to make a new one, and I'd never capture that same oh. you know, lockdown feeling. No, um, you, I, can, I can hear no, it, but, right. uh, but what's interesting, though, that every single line in there, this is, this, the, I think also makes that one so good is that every single line has significance. Every single line is funny for some reason. Exactly. And most times, and, yes. and so, I mean, everything in there has something to do with a religion, especially part yep. about customer service to the agnostics because you people have no idea what you want anyway. I just love that. <laughs> so it's all, it's, it's, there's so many lines in there. That's what make, I think what makes it hard to hear is that you really have to listen several times because there is so much in there. Every single line in that piece uh, has meaning in some way. Those 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 sermons, you know, uh, you know, die infidel die. That's Islam. Um, yes. You know, yeah. My uh, that butterfly might be your grandfather. That's Buddhism. <laughs> you know, what, what are the other yes. ones here? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to heaven well, and you're and not. Yes, that's the, that's yeah. bad Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. 
yes, exactly. And, you know, there's, it's important to have a sense of humor um, about everything because if, if, if you take everything too seriously, um, mm-hmm. then you're going to be offended about everything if somebody says, you know, the, the least little thing. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you can't laugh at yourself, and, and there are, there's something about every religion or every uh, facet of something that, that has a characteristic about it. And mm-hmm. if you can't see the humor in it, you know, um, and view it as somebody else might be looking at it from the outside, then, you know, I, I can't help you. <laughs> yeah, well. Humor just helps you get through the day, people. <laughs> well, no, and Learn I tell people that, especially when they're advocates. They're, they're, so, they're so hung up on, on making things happen right away and everything else. I say, folks, this is a game. You know, the odds against us are so overwhelming. Any victory is good. And you got perspective, but I think humor, we need to talk about more of that too, because, you know, God has a sense of humor, obviously, <laughs> look what we get away with, yeah. um, but, uh, but it's just, it's really important. Anyway, so do you have more, I don't want to take away all of Luke. We don't want to give short change Luke on this, but uh, this is, this is interesting. Like I say, it puts, you know, puts a real person here instead of just a, some ephemeral image of somebody that, you know, was sort of maybe, you know, and becomes a character of themselves. Right. Yeah, well, I, I, one of the things I often think about when I think of Luke is um, how Jesus never said to anybody ever in his three and a half years of, of ministry and healing uh, literally thousands of people because all of his healings are not even mentioned in the Bible. Um, mm. it, it, it says that if, if everything that Jesus did during his ministry time um, there would not be enough room in the world for all the books to contain it. Hmm. How's that? Wow. <laughs> so, so few things that we have recorded in Scripture um, are, are is just literally a drop in the bucket. Um, but anyway, nowhere did Jesus ever say, you know what, I can't handle that. You're going to have to go see you know, Luke to take care of that. Oh, no, no And he healed yeah. absolutely everything and everyone he ever came into contact with. So, um, oh, how does yeah, that fit in? How does healing fit into to Christianity, into Jesus? Why was that such an important thing? I mean, it's a great thing to do. I'm not, I'm not disputing that. But I'm just saying why healing of all things to do um, as opposed to bestowing intelligence upon people or, or many other things that could have been done. But healing is huge. Jesus it work. is huge, and you have to understand that back in the day, if there was, um, if you had a certain condition, you were shunned from the community. You were not even allowed to be mm-hmm. in with other people. You were you were shoved to the outside of of the town, and you had to live separately with other mm-hmm. people who were sick. Mm-hmm. You weren't even allowed to be in, in the town. So uh, that was a big deal back then. Okay. It's a big deal now because if you if you have if you live with chronic pain or a disease or or whatever it is that, that you're dealing with that makes you not well continually and mm-hmm. it 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 does a number on you you know so healing today is still very important. Oh yeah, uh, critical. That's why I do so much with wellness. And uh, so, sort of like the the anti you know petroleum Rockefeller standard medicine, especially against the the, the COVID government national healthcare protocols, uh, that'd be something interesting yeah, too. Yeah. You know, biblical medicine uh, would be something, and and it does that you know how that how that fits in. But healing is huge. You know, it's interesting you talk about people being isolated for for whatever disease they had, so that they could be discriminated against. Same thing's happening now ideologically. 
you know, conservatives are like the modern day lepers. You know, it's like you're not, you're yeah. not thinking right. You're not believing right. You're not, uh, you're not following us. You're not part of us. Therefore, we're going to shun you and isolate you because you're so dangerous. We can't allow you to be with us. Whereas in the old days, it was leprosy, it was a legitimate disease. It actually is still here with us, apparently. Um, I yes, know because when I, whenever I post a video of armadillos, you know, people say, uh, but Greg, but Greg, they carry leprosy. And I'm like, well, it's not like I'm snuggling with them. <laughs> you know, I'm just taking a picture. Of them. <laughs> get, you know, get over it. All right. So people are so weird. Anyway. So, that would but, actually but, take but, some talent, snuggling with an armadillo. That's got to be a country song. I was snuggling with my armadillo <laughs> on a moonlit night. My baby, she left me, and she won't hold me tight. So I got that cold feeling of armadillo skin. Pretty soon that armadillo and me will be kin. Oh, my God. I can't believe I said that. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <clears throat> And this is podcast too. Yes, Sorry, country fans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> well, I know one phone call a day, God. That's all you get. Okay. You know. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Mm-hmm. So, um, I will close out with some contact info, and if anybody uh-huh. has any information or, or they would like to share or questions they would like to ask. You can get a hold of me on Facebook and under Wendy Arthur or Art by Wendy Arthur or Dimensions Ministries. And I just bless everyone to have a great day and bow now, avoid the rush. Absolutely. Did you get Luke covered or did I digress too much? I just want to make sure. No, we're good. Yeah, Luke's, Luke's covered. We're, we're going to move on to another disciple next week. Sounds good to me. I love this hit parade. You know, Luke, this is your life <laughs> on Action Radio. All right. Thank you, Wendy. Talk to you next week. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. 
ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grace Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gracecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That. Action Radio. Okay, I'm back. It is now 8.07 here, Central Time in the Florida Panhandle. It's going to be warm out there. It's overcast. Uh, possible rain, possible rain every day. It's <laughs> kind of what happens around here uh, during the springtime and the summertime. So it's going to get hot and muggy and big bugs, really big bugs. But I have noticed. I have noticed. Uh, in fact, anybody that saw my uh, my Facebook page was my uh, guitar picture uh, from nine years ago. <laughs> it was kind of cool, actually. I, had, I, had, I still have a lot of hair on my head, so I haven't changed it much. It's just gotten a little bit grayer. Um, but anyway, the point is that I found that uh, one of the greatest bug um, prevention devices is my guitar amplifier because I don't know what it is, but once I started playing, I started about a year ago just playing consistently almost daily except for, for Sunday. Uh, that's because I work all day Sunday. It's not a Sabbath kind of thing. Anyway, so I started playing my guitar, play for an hour and a half to two hours every day, and getting really good now. It's kind of cool. But the point is, I have, you know, when I play, I don't see bugs. And so they don't like it. You know, so whatever infestation, you know, sort of creepy crawls in uh, during the time I'm not playing, once I crank up that amp, uh, and it's, 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 yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's a decent, decent volume um, that uh, apparently it keeps the big cockroaches away. And if I don't play for three days, I'll see one. 
Uh, so it's a, so it's definitely a, a daily thing. So if you're a rock musician, you know, I, I'm sure bass, drums, or, or guitar um, would tend to keep away you know, the larger critters. All right. So getting back to the show, the title of the show today, Seditious Conspiracy 2. I have more to talk about on that. Uh, and the, the subheadings, headings, voting, FBI, January 6th, and Project Lone Star. I'm going to spend uh, a lot. Of, I got two hours. Uh, so we've had a couple of people that uh, schedule reports on Wednesdays, and they're, they're off for a bit. And with, with varying different reasons, and which I you know I'll let them explain when they come back. But um, so we got the whole we got two hours, which is kind of, actually kind of cool to be able to take uh, some topics with some detail. Got Pianki in the line, and let's get an um, uh, opinion from him on on who knows what. And then I want to uh, get into some of these articles here, sir. What's going on? Good morning. Well, I was going to tell you <clears throat> if you was out on the Mediterranean Sea, which used to be called the Ethiopian Sea. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't need mm-hmm. a second. Just look over the other, look over to the other shore where you want to go. Oh, for navigation, it was just that easy. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, that actually that makes a lot of sense. I know some of the, the areas, the, the you know, like the Red Sea is not that big. Uh, the Aegean Sea, where you know, the Greeks, the Mediterranean. I didn't know it was called the Ethiopian Sea. That's interesting. I've never heard that before. Ethiop, Ethiop Sea. Well, and the I Greeks went to school. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, I sailed the Mediterranean. I've sailed the uh, the Aegean. I've been to the Greek islands. You know, I went to Santorini on a, on a very uh, you know unstable boat. <laughs> it was got a listing about ten degrees to port, and uh, you know we didn't know if we we're going to live or die, so we, we slept in life jackets that night. Uh, all of us, uh, you know, tourists who were you know, working away the Greek islands. Yeah, and we saw a lot of boats, you know, upended, and you know, it was quite interesting. But yeah, we made it. It was the Ellie, E L L I. I'll never forget that. Uh, it was a ferry boat. And it was uh, somewhat seaworthy, completely. <laughs> we sailed anyway. Uh, that's my my Greek experience. But yeah, back to you. And uh, the Pythagoras, Aximeter, Aristotle—they went to school in Egypt. They went to a university that was called Ifitafut. Huh. Luxor. They didn't have no universities in Greece. <clears throat> but that's the way civilization. The Greeks was really a city state. It wasn't ever a state in the beginning. And uh, well, there were two. There was the, Athens and there was Sparta. And Spartans were the uh, uh, like the dark-haired, short, you know, muscular, warlike people. And the, the Athenians, I guess, with the blonde, you know, I guess more my descent, you know, ancestors were more the Athenian Greeks. So, but the Spartans won, <laughs> obviously. Um, and that's why, you know, Greeks look more Spartan than uh, they do Athenian at this time, uh, unless I'm wrong about that. But anyway, yeah, it's kind of interesting um, how that all works. So, so I want reparations from Sparta. I think that's, that's the first and thing. You know, at one about. point in time, it was a, one point in time, it was a, it was a valley because the, uh, there at Gibraltar, that was closed in. So the water that uh, filled, that provided the water for what you call you know, the sea actually came from the rivers, came from the Nile and Euphrates. Probably had some other smaller, but uh, it used to be a valley. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and did you have anything further to say on the voting stuff? Because I covered that the first half hour. I don't know if you were here for it, but... Uh... You know, it, it turns out uh, that you're right that uh, non-citizens can vote, but as far as I'm concerned, they shouldn't. I uh, shouldn't have anything to do with voting. And I thought so when I was a non-citizen, even at 18. I didn't vote until well, I was 21. It was the same thing with blacks. Blacks could vote, but people felt that they shouldn't in the South. 
But that's a different thing, though, because blacks are citizens. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. Something I just I just came up with uh, earlier in the show that we're you know I mean I've I've heard talk of a second civil war. Robert Spencer talked about it. He's been on the show. Um, In fact, I sent him our uh, my my Muslim bikini swimsuit edition article, which I want to ask you about too. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, But the idea that the the Democrat Party is really starting a second Confederacy, and that their army are all these illegal aliens, and that they're trying to destroy this country once again. Um, with the, you know, and the, the, but no one's talking about. It. They're talking about American Civil War. I'm talking about in terms of the Democrat initiating a civil war by literally starting a second Confederacy. What do you think of that? Well, who knows what what thoughts go on in the heads of evil men? Uh, they're talking about packing the court again. So 13, what, 15, 17, 20, uh, 19, 21? Mm-hmm. We get up to 50 here pretty soon. <laughs> no, I don't think so. And see, they do that based on the presidency is what they're doing. They figure that if they get a president of a Joe Biden, then they would have that same type of Kalanji Jackson uh, ideology. And that's what they would put on the courts. But see, people don't understand that courts do not make laws. Yeah. They just give opinions. Well, no, but they still, no, actually, uh, well, it, if in terms of, of uh, the case, yeah, it's an opinion, but they can also make a decision in terms of the parties. They can decide for or against a party in a case, and that's whether it's a civil uh, or if it's a criminal trial, they decide innocence or guilt. But if it's a civil trial, they definitely find for one party or the other. And they can award damages and money and things like that. Uh, as we talked about earlier, they can also, you know, because the answer to your question on, on the election is they can disqualify uh, a candidate for cheating, if that's what they find. Well, yeah, they can award damages just because the people that are seeking damages. Mm-hmm. That's in civil cases. It's, they're seeking damages, but they don't make laws. But they use laws. They they use laws. Like the, the, the Texas case was about using um, the law that uh, the, the vote was basically taken from Texans by having uh, a fraudulent vote in all these other states. And that's why that had to go to the Supreme Court. Uh, and what they should have done, like I said, we were talking about yesterday, and I, I know we have different opinions on this, but what they should have done uh, is disqualified the Brandon electors. Unless somehow they found that they were legitimate, which to me is impossible. But if they found that, then they might find that. But uh, that's that's the legitimate court function is to disqualify uh, the fraudulent electors and the fraudulent votes. That's where you, that's the only place you can get the, the the redress for that, unless Congress you know changes something or overrules or what they should have done January sixth. What we're getting to, and I want to sort of go back and talk about this. I'm going to hold you up just for a bit here. Uh, is seditious conspiracy. And so uh, Peter Navarro came out with an article. I uh, actually had a podcast on the FBI, uh, Seditious Conspiracy. I've got a couple of articles here, one on FBI, one on uh, – actually, both FBI, one on the IRS, uh, um, the investigation that's been held up with Hunter Biden. There's a bunch of things going on. But what's happening is uh, that the, the, uh, the real conspiracy, the, the deep state, um, the group that stole the election – uh, that put Brandon in, you know, the Obama crew that's behind him, the, the officials in Congress, you know, both Republican and Democrat, um, they're accusing, and they've got a bunch of political prisoners in the D.C. Gulag who simply were walking through the Capitol on January 6th. They were framed. They were entrapped. That, that's illegal in itself. But what they charged him with was a very interesting crime, seditious conspiracy. And so I started looking into that, and what is it? And so what I found is the same thing that, that I reported yesterday, that uh, two people that I was watching on one of 
American News, both Peter Navarro and Rudy Giuliani both said the same thing, that the real people guilty of seditious conspiracy is the deep state that put Brandon, Brandon in office and all the fraudulent activities that have happened ever since. So let me talk about the law, and then I've got an article, and then I'll get, uh, bring Piaki back in for, for opinions on, uh, on each of these articles. We've got a bunch to go over, and then probably the next hour we'll get to uh, – or oh, maybe I'll play an interview the next hour. I haven't decided. We'll figure it out. We'll see how the show goes. But um, I've, got a, I've got the Megan Barth uh, artic, uh, interview that I did regarding the ITIN number, which I think is worth replaying. Anyway, so the law we're talking about is 18 U.S. Code Section 2384, uh, seditious conspiracy. So we, we defined these yesterday. Sedition is going against your government, saying things against your government, plotting against your government, and conspiracy is two or more people doing it. So they kind of work together. So a seditious conspiracy would be a plot of two or more people uh, conspiring to not necessarily overthrow the government, but, uh, you know, uh, rebel against it, you know, all kinds of different. Let me just read the law. I'll tell you what it says. It says if two or more, this is Title 18, uh, U.S. Code Section 2384, if you want to look it up. If two or more persons in any state or territory or in any place subject to the jurisdiction of the United States, uh, and that doesn't, that just, that, that means uh, that's legal as opposed to just territorial. Okay. Subject to the jurisdiction of the United States, which basically means U.S. citizens, right, wherever they are. Uh, if they conspire to overthrow, put down, or to destroy by force the government of the United States or to levy war against them, that would be treason. Or to oppose by force the authority thereof, uh, that would be, I guess, resisting arrest, right? Or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States. That's civil disobedience. So this, this, this law has got problems. Then it says, or by force to seize take or possess any property of the United States. I guess that's why they brought them into the Capitol on uh, January 6th. And this is contrary to the authority thereof. Well, the authorities brought them in. Uh, they shall be fined uh, under the title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. So the fine is usually a lot smaller than the prison term. It's kind of interesting. Uh, but anyway, so that's what it says. So I'll just read it quickly without the, my interruptions. If two or more persons in any state or territory or in any place subject to the jurisdiction of the United States conspire to overthrow, put down, or to destroy by force the government of the United States, or to levy war against them, or them, in other words, these states, against them, that's why it's there, or to oppose by force the authority thereof, or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States, or by force to seize, take, or possess any property of the United States, contrary to the authority thereof, they shall be each fined under this title, or imprisoned not more than 20 years, or both. Okay, I need to rewrite this. <laughs> this is really bad. Um, let me bring Pianchi back in just for a second here. Uh, 18 U.S.C. Section uh, 2384. Do you see problems with that, with that uh, bill, Pianchi? Because I sure do. I guess he's holding up. Okay, that's fine. Let me continue on then. Um, this has got massive problems. This is way too broad. You can't put um, something as broad as, you know, put down, overthrow, or destroy the government, and then include, you know, a delay or, or of any execution of any law of the United States, because the whole civil rights movement was based on civil disobedience of delaying the, the law of the United States, well, not the United States, but certainly of the states, uh, that being segregation. So this basically outlaws civil disobedience against segregation. That's wrong. So we need to change that part. Then it says, or by force to seize, take, or possess any property of the United States, contrary to the authority thereof. Well, that would be January 6th. This is probably why they brought them in. All the Trump supporters were brought in to the Capitol for a couple of reasons. One, to provide a distraction. Two, to uh, twist the arms of the members of Congress under the Capitol um, to, to force them to vote the Brandon electors. 
uh, and three, probably to, to do this law. Because once those people walked into the Capitol, uh, even though they were invited, even though they were entrapped, even though the, the Capitol Hill police opened the doors, in many cases pushed Trump supporters into the Capitol to force him in there, um, this law still makes that illegal because they're on you know, U.S. property. So this is a crazy law. So uh, it's something that definitely deserves um, a little bit of, uh, of attention here. Let me call Pianchi again and see if he has a comment, and then I'll get on the FBI. The first of many articles uh, about seditious conspiracy. Can you comment, or should I, should I continue on here? I think the law is uh, bogus. It's what happens when you have a group, which uh, a group comes together based on an ideology or mindset, and out of that group creates its own anarchy, and they want to remain in power. So they do everything possible to eliminate opposition, and they can only rule through ignorance, and that's the ignorance in the people that vote for because yeah, what you point. said, sedition, how many people on the street that you would meet know what that word means or even have even heard of it? Well, that's why I made that uh, – remember the, the uh, Santa Rosa Volunteers piece I made on, on, on the Sedition Act? I, I left out the alien part, but the Sedition Act. I'm going to play that again during the course of this show because it really sort of – Oh, really, yeah, and that's something that's good. Mm-hmm. You, what you said that any people, person running for – you made mention and you talked about it. I, I agree. Any person that's running for uh, election, uh, a elected position, they should have demonstrated that they have taken courses and they know the founding documents in the U.S. Constitution. Mm-hmm. And you can listen to some of these representatives that's been elected and listen to them talk that they don't know what the heck they're talking about. Like I've seen members of the squad uh, marching through some assembly hall, and they're demanding that ERA be passed. Well, as if it's the people in Congress that's going to pass it, not knowing it has to go back to the state for ratification. So you got a lot of dumb people in high positions. So, uh, yeah, that's for sure. Well, stuff. unless they're just their their ideology is more powerful uh, than their knowledge, and they don't care what the constitution constitution says. They think their ideology is supreme over it, and that's a problem too. Now, there's somebody that did that, or we talked about it. I'm not sure, but I think one of our ideas here was that anybody running for office, uh, I think it was uh, Amber when she was on Amber Kemper, uh, that anybody that runs for office. Um, has to be able to pass the uh, uh, the citizenship test that any immigrant would have to pass before becoming a citizen. That alone would be huge. That would be a good thing. The old test, not the one that I Absolutely took. You know, the one that Josie, yeah, yeah, the one that Josie and I took, not the modern, you know, anybody's a citizen thing, but the old one where we had to memorize the Bill of Rights. We had to recite the Bill of Rights before my immigration. When I had my immigration hearing, I remember, I remember the guy. I remember really clearly. We talked. We had, I was there for like two or three hours. I mean, this was a serious interview. You know, and we talked about it, and he talked about the, you know, not, you know, being a communist and not belonging to the Communist Party. And I just swear that I wasn't because, you know, I'd already been in college at this point. Well, you're in college. Did you belong to any uh, seditious groups? No. Uh, I was, you know, I, I was in the flying club. <laughs> you know, I was in the marching band. Um, I was in the environmental coalition, uh, and I was in a bunch of other groups. But a communist? No. You know, young socialist, young democratic socialist? No. Um, I talked to him, I was folks, and I, I was real straight with the guy, too. He's, he's a decent guy. Uh, that interviewed me. But uh, we went over the Bill of Rights. We went over the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, you know, and uh, actually, you know, part of, uh, like I said, part of my love for this country really got started 
during the immigration uh, process, when I, uh, the citizenship process. So I think every, everybody running for office should be required to pass the same test that any immigrant getting citizenship should have to pass. And that makes it a consistent standard, so it's not arbitrary. We're not making stuff up. We're not giving unusual things for people to do. Uh, and the fact that they can't pass it indicates to me a problem. Well, people that go through the naturalization process is actually smarter than those that go through elementary and secondary mm-hmm. schools mm-hmm. because they don't even have them. And it should occur in elementary schools so that as you grow older, you can see it in effect. But it doesn't happen. Those kids that's coming out of graduate uh, next month, this is May, June, next, this month, mm-hmm. they never had that. Well, that's the fault of the school. It's the fault of their parents. Uh, it's the fault of the school boards that didn't require it. Uh, it's the fault of everybody that didn't put the, that same citizenship test uh, into a graduation requirement for junior high or high school. I mean, they're, they're required to take high, uh, civics in high school, so why not have the final exam be the citizenship test? That would make sense. Let me get an article here. So um, I want to talk about this for a bit, uh, and then uh, I, shall, I shall check back with you. This is from The Defender. This is Robert Kennedy's um, magazine from Children's Health Defense. And the reason this is significant is he's running for president now. Uh, in fact, I'm going to see if I can get him our, our bill. We have a couple of bills that I would think he would endorse. One, vaccine product liability, and the other, big tech, eliminate big tech censorship. But the third one that is one of our recent bills is to eliminate all drug advertising. And that was written by Dr. Judy Mikovits and a listener uh, named Linda. And in fact, she did most of the work on it. Uh, you can check her the bill for her name. But anyway, uh, it's quite interesting. So anyway, so Robert Kennedy's huge right now. In fact, a lot of people would like to see a... Uh, uh, a Trump Kennedy ticket, which I think is fascinating. Anyway, the article's from uh, May 12th. Uh, so we're talking, what's today, the 17th? Five days ago. This is the FBI contractor. And this is the FBI. So one of the biggest components of the deep state, Pianchi was asking who makes up the deep state. One of the biggest components is the FBI, which is why I'm including them in our subtitles uh, for today's show. And what they do is they've been, uh, well, let me just read the article. It says FBI contractor created fake online IDs to join chat rooms run by groups organizing against vaccine mandates. Um, I'm surprised the FBI, well, I mean, I'm sure the FBI told um, big tech to censor us. I mean, that would not surprise me. But here's what it says. says, an FBI surveillance contractor infiltrated the chat rooms of two airline industry groups opposed to vaccine mandates to collect intelligence on groups organizing activities. Investigative journalist Lee Fang reported, and that's L-E-E. F-A. The article is by Brenda Balletti, B-A-L-E-T-T-I, Ph.D. And again, this is May uh, 12th, um, just five days ago. And the article says an FBI surveillance contractor infiltrated the chat rooms of two airline industry groups opposed to vaccine mandate to collect intelligence on the groups organized. Oh, God, I read that from above. The contractor Flashpoint, which, is the, which in the past infiltrated Islamic terror groups, now focuses on, quote, anti-vaccine groups, and other domestic political organizations. And this is according to Fang. Well, isn't that interesting that the uh, FBI contractor, you know, thinks that the expertise to infiltrate Islamic terror groups is the same as, uh, as American, you know, uh, anti-vaccine groups. That is fascinating. This is in a webinar presentation for clients last year, which Fang analyzed on his Substack. I think I'll have to get that. Flashpoint analyst Vlad Kujuklu, <laughs> we spell that one, Vlad. So it's either Russian or Ukrainian. C-U-I-U-J-U-C-L-U. Kujuklu <laughs> demonstrated that uh, his company's methods for identifying and entering encrypted Telegram chat groups. Hmm. Yeah, Telegram we thought was safe. Everybody's on Telegram, right? Well, guess what? 
It says he explained how the company attempted to join chat rooms of transportation workers resisting the vaccine. Uh, just a little side note here that uh, 20% of the airline pilots refused to take the jab. And so the reason that the airline, you, you think people can't have an effect? This is, this is how people can have effect. 20% of the airline pilots refused the jab. Well, the airlines could not function with 20% of their pilots not flying because they wouldn't let them fly, right? And so what happened was they, with the solution, and they said, well, we're still not going to do this. You know, we have to. No, we don't. <laughs> we're not going to take experimental drug treatment and then go up and fly airplanes. Are you crazy? So that 20% was enough to convince the airlines to drop the mandate. And so that's how it happened. So don't think that one person can't have an effect as one person gets other people to help them. That's how this works. So quickly, it says, uh, uh, Fang said, uh, in this case, we're searching for a, a closed channel of U.S. Freedom Flyers. Now, we just happen to have a couple of U.S. Freedom Flyers on the show. Uh, oh, I forgot the names. But a couple of the pilots in that organization were on with us. I should check back with them uh, with, with, with this article. And it says, uh, it's basically a group that opposed vaccinations. He says, as he clicked through a database, Kuijuklu showed a chat group uh, on Telegram sponsored by Airline Professionals for Justice, another group formed by the airline industry workers opposed to the mandate. The forum, he added, provided useful insights, including Zoom links for meetings of the grassroots organization. So, yeah, they're tracking you. So let's see if I can get to the part where it talks about what they actually did. Here we go. So according to Fang, the firm uh, is a leader in the threat intelligence industry. This is Flashpoint, right? A growing number of security and surveillance firms that create fake online identities uh, to infiltrate Discord chats. Let me say that again. A growing number of security and surveillance firms. Well, guess who pays them? The government does. So in other words, you do. You pay the FBI to pay surveillance firms to spy illegally on you. But this is, that's the deep state. You want to see deep state? This is deep state, all right? It says they create fake ad- online identities to infiltrate Discord groups, WhatsApp uh, groups, Reddit forums, and the dark web message boards to gather information for clients, including corporations, corporations, and the FBI. That would be the airline, you know, the airlines, right? Uh, to monitor potential threats. Threats to what? Can, and this is, again, where projection comes in. The threat to us is the FBI and the vaccine mandate. So the government in threatening our health with, you know, death, permanent injury, wants to employ groups and companies to spy on us for resisting something that they want to do that's illegal. So who's the threat? They are. That's the deep state. The deep state is so convinced of their self-righteousness that they think they can do anything that can violate any of our rights to spy on us so that we will, so they can provide false information so we can't decide what to do and we'll do what they say, even though they say is unconstitutional, illegal, dangerous, and deadly. That's the deep state. Joshua Yoder, back to the article, president of the U.S. Freedom Flyers. I think he was on the show. I'll have to check back. Joshua Yoder, president of U.S. Freedom Flyers, said he is aware that Flashpoint infiltrated private chat groups associated with his organization. Yosher told the Defender, here we go, tradecraft and other strategies are often used to gain inside knowledge of conservative organizations with the content to disrupt, mislead, and otherwise thwart effective campaigns. Infiltration is a tactic used by the deep state to prevent the truth from being told uh, by uh, attempting to destroy the advancement of the message. (laughs) That's why we're censored here, right? The team at U.S. Freedom Flyers has been successful in, re- in recognizing these attacks, and we have taken decisive actions to protect the organization and their members. So basically, people are fighting back. This is aviation industry workers were some of the most vocal and organized against COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Yeah, because they're being killed up there with that, that lower oxygen content. Um, let me see. I think this, this is basically it. Uh, here's, let me get a different here. Uh, Flashpoint advertises its surveillance success across on this website 
providing examples of its work undermining environmental activism, G20 protests, and protests against the aviation industry. Yeah, I'll tell you the first, here's the biggest myth. The vaccine is safe and effective. That is a huge myth. I'm going to stop the article here because I think I've got enough from it. Flashpoint. Let me get back to Pianchi here. Flashpoint. So, well, so what do you think of companies? Go ahead. Yeah, your turn. See, this is, you remember when Donald Trump said that they were spying on his uh, mm-hmm. his hotel? Mm-hmm. And what did Obama say? Well, there's no, there's no proof for that, which would yeah, have required... It. He was doing it. Yeah, yeah but okay. it would have it required a court order, right? To do what? To spy on Trump? Yeah, to put in listening devices and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now this is what happened. Just like you just. This is what happened. But the FBI hired private contractors to do it. And that's how it was done. That's why there was no record, no official record. But mm-hmm. the private contractors hired by the FBI, and they do that all the time, conspiring and working with, you know, independent organizations. Like they go to Facebook, to Facebook to do what? Mm-hmm. To silence certain conservative voices. So that's how they use the FBI with it. The FBI had good points, but it's got a whole lot of bad points that need to be disassembled. Well, tell me what. The, tell me some good that the FBI has done, because I'm not convinced. I mean, I think of Waco. I think of spying on us. I think of of um, many things, uh, imprisonment of J6 people, of rounding up people that simply, you know, dis- simply pointed out that uh, Brandon is, that's is a, a coup. So where? So what have they yeah, done? That's good. Who have they rescued? Who have they? Who have they imprisoned? When it comes down to breaking up. Uh, trafficking and kidnapping rings, they do a pretty good job. Okay. But um, they have been used as an instrument of, of uh, they've been used as a weapon. They've, wep- they've been weaponized by the Democrats. Yeah, I see a place a for them. It's, yeah, yeah, and I see a place for, well, of course, you go back to Martin Luther King. I mean, you go back to, uh, you know, gun control in the 18th, well, I don't know how they, the FBI has been around, but, uh, but the, I don't think the record of the FBI is all that good. So everybody says, well, they do wonderful work, but there are a few bad apples. No, I don't think they do wonderful work. I think they become uh, a KGB. I think they become a, a ministry of internal security. I think they become an oppressive force that a tyrannical government uses to terrorize people. That's what it looks like. Even parents at school board meetings have to worry with the FBI now. So the FBI KGB, and if the FBI KGB is listening, feel free to call the show and tell me I'm wrong. Go ahead, 215-383-3832. I'll put you on. But this is the problem, that I don't think they've done anything good. I can't remember a story of a, of a ring that was broken up, a, a terrorist ring, a child trafficking ring. You know, when's the last time the FBI had a big drug seizure? When's the, FBI, time the last time the FBI did anything noteworthy? The Coast Guard seizes the drugs. The Border Patrol seizes the drugs. You know, Giuliani is the one that broke up the mafia. The city of New York and the state of New York and New Jersey broke up the the East Coast mafia. That wasn't the FBI. So name anything that the FBI's done. I can't. Nothing comes to mind except bad stuff. Well, the FBI does good things. You have to know what it is that they involve. Bank robberies, for instance. Okay. The FBI does good things, though. Well, let me ask you this then. Is there anything that the FBI does, is there anything that the FBI does that cannot be done by state and local officials, especially joint task forces? 
between states. Well, if you want to get your next story, you don't you ain't got time to talk about all of these things. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I had a classmate of mine. I had a classmate of mine that joined the FBI, and he did a lot. Of, he told me about a lot of things that they done. He was, his name is Kerry Thornton. He wrote Let's a book on. called. He wrote a book. I can't think of the name. A badge of courage, or badge of honor, or something like that. Okay. Well, I mean, listen, I'm open for, you know me, I'm always open for correction. I make, I make some pretty, you know, broad statements, but if someone can refute it and say so, that's fine. All right, let me get to the next article here. So this is from uh, J.D. Rucker, another uh, favorite of mine on Substack. Substack is my favorite new source of information because it's not censored. <laughs> that's the beauty of it. That's how I could put the Muslim, you know, swimsuit bikini edition. <laughs> Curious if Bianca has an opinion. All right. So this is the FBI is not partisan. It's globalist and demonic. It says, let's not dismiss the many evils of the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the deep state in general as everyday partisan politics. It's far worse than that. This is J.D. Rucker. That's R-U-C-K-E-R, May 16th, 2023. So four days ago. What's today, 17th? Yesterday. Yesterday this came out. Uh, He says, let's start by, uh, by conspicuously not rehashing the Durham report. If you'd like to be brought up to speed... You can either read this. Let me get brighter. Read this recap by Ben uh, Waden, W-H-E-D-O-N, and Natalia Mittelstadt, M-I-T-T-E-L-S-T-A-D-T, at Just the News. Or you can accept this singular takeaway: a lot of bad people did bad things, but nobody's going to jail, and nothing's going to change as a result. Yeah, that's the Durham report. That's a perfect uh, summation. He says many patriots are calling for the FBI to be disbanded, and that would include me. Uh, he says these are mostly the same people who have been calling for the FBI to be disbanded for a long time. Again, that would be me. He says, I'm in that, uh, that camp, but it won't happen. The FBI will not be disbanded, defunded, limited, chastised, or even given a slap on the wrist. The reason nothing ever will happen is because too few people are aware of the real dynamic that's in play. And this goes to what Pianchi's saying. People are basically too ignorant of the real stuff. That's why I try and broadcast it. But everybody who knows me knows how much this show is censored. And once we break through, it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of effect we have. The article says, on the surface, it appears that the FBI uh, is a pawn of the Democrat Party. That's what they want you to believe. In reality, Democrat and most Republican lawmakers are pawns of the deep state. And the FBI is used to either hand them, uh, herd them, excuse me, in the direction chosen by the globalist elite cabal or to herd them out of politics. And then he says, see Madison Cawthorn. So I guess there's another uh, article. He says, the common belief among America First patriots, again, that would be me, (laughs) that the FBI is a partisan organization is inaccurate. That thinking gets the dynamic backwards. They aren't used by Democrats. They use the Democrats. They aren't in the pockets of the rhinos. They keep rhinos in their pockets. The FBI is a domestic enforcement wing of the deep state, which holds complete and total control over the uniparty swamp. This is why they act with absolute impunity. They have negligible concern about oversight committee hearings or, quote, bombshell reports by special counsels. It's important to understand this because if we do not recognize our enemy for what it really is, uh, then we have zero chance of ever overcoming it. They control government. They control media. The only question that's more challenging is to answer is whether the deep state is a minion of the globalist elite cabal or if they're a part of the upper echelon. In other words, Do they report to the Schwabs, Rockefellers, and Obamas of the world, or do they have a seat at the big boys' table? Are they minions of Satan or minions of the minions of Satan? (laughs) Interesting question. Uh, There are questions that are above my pay grade, and the answers really don't change uh, things for the rest of us. 
As long as we can stop treating them as subservient to politicians, we can address them properly. This is a great point of view. He says, how do we stop them? That, too, is above my pay grade. (laughs) J.D. Rucker, it's not above mine. (laughs) He says, all I can do is try to inform people about the real dynamic here and hope that someone with resources and a pure heart can organize a battle plan. Um, J.D., it's already been done. (laughs) We've got the battle plan. So i I got to write him at the end of the show. I'll I'll post something on his uh, report. But uh, that makes perfect sense to me, that the FBI is above the politicians. The FBI runs the politicians. They don't run the FBI. They don't use the FBI. The FBI uses them. It's an interesting point of view. Pianchi? Well, yeah, it's, it's backwards. Everything is backwards, seemingly. Uh-huh. Agreed. Uh, FBI shouldn't be able to run into a town and knock on your door. It should check in with the sheriff. Sheriff has uh-huh. jurisdiction, territory jurisdiction. Uh-huh. Well, here's so what I do with the FBI. Those things need to yeah. do change. Yeah. Well, as part of my mm-hmm. plan to get rid of illegal aliens, uh, every every armed member of the FBI should be detailed over to uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, in other words, ICE. So they need to all go there, as along with every other armed agent of the federal government, including the IRS agents. They all need to go over to ICE uh, and for immigration, excuse me, for illegal alien enforcement. And we need to send a quarter million other support staff from various branches of government that do nothing uh, over there as well. So I'm talking about a, ha- a force of about half a million government, federal government employees. Uh, their sole duty would be to remove illegal aliens. Uh, and that would, be the, that would be the armed ones. So they'd be going after the dangerous ones. The vast majority of the illegal aliens we can just get rid of by uh, civil asset forfeiture. And the rest will leave. Once we start forfeiting their assets and their property and their businesses and the businesses that hire them, trust me, they'll leave. And the waves of illegal aliens will be going the opposite direction, running across the border to get out of here. Um, but for the tough ones, for the murderers, for the terrorists, for the uh, uh, extortionists, carjackers, and the serious people, that's why we need half a million uh, federal employees detailed over to ICE to get rid of them. How's that sound, Piecki? Well, start. <laughs> it's definitely a start. Okay, so here's another. So, so here's what I do with the FBI. In fact, I forgot to mention this before I call on you. Um, what I would do with them. Uh, they have there's two basic parts of uh, the FBI, investigation and enforcement. What I consider investigation, uh, DNA records, fingerprint records, vast computer resources, uh, psychological profiles of serial killers, psychological profiles of all kinds of people. That kind of stuff um, I don't have a problem with. Um, even though I don't see it authorized in the Constitution, they didn't have that technology. They didn't have fingerprint technology until the 1800s. And so those kind of things, if they want to keep those records and the states want to use that and the states say, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll keep that part because the FBI, the investigative part, can coordinate that information much better. And the states can use it uh, individually or j- with joint task forces. States have the police powers. They'll use it for enforcement, as long as the FBI has no enforcement power. So what you do, all the enforcement parts of it, get rid of them, except for uh, the only exceptions would be treason, piracy, and counterfeiting. And even then, I don't think they're needed for that because treason you know, is only in times of war. Uh, piracy is handled by the Navy and the Air Force and the, the Coast Guard, uh, and counterfeiting is ha- you know, handled by the Secret Service. So we really don't need an enforcement arm of the FBI. We don't. There's no reason for it. That's what I would do. All right, let me get this article here. And then, well, let me, can, I, can you have a comment on that? And then I'll, uh, well, actually, um, enforcing the arm of the FBI is the DOJ. Well, the Department of Justice is another, get, yeah. Well, so who makes up the DOJ? What are the departments? Yeah, the FBI comes under the Department of Justice. So well, if they wanted to 
locked uh-huh. somebody up, they'd have to go in front of justice to do it just like the RS would. Yeah, and I'm sure, let me see, let me put it here, components of the DOJ, components of the department. There's a misname if ever there was one. Or just dive. The justice, there we go, that's better. All right, let's see, let's see who makes up. Who else is in the justice besides the FBI? Uh, oh, the ATF's in there? Well, that's interesting. Well, they need to be done away with, too. There, let's see what we got. Department of Justice. Our work, United States Department of Justice. Let's see what they say here. Organizational chart. Oh, here we go. Punch this up here. View all components and agencies. Okay. Oh, here we go. See all the fun we have here? Attorney General. Okay. Office of the Deputy Attorney General. Office of the Associate Attorney General. Office of the Solicitor General. So Deputy Attorney General, that's where Eric Holder was, I think, under Janet Reno, uh, or she learned, he learned his craft from her. And I think uh, Associate Attorney General uh, Merrick Garland held that post at one point, too. Litigating offices, they've got an antitrust division. They've got a civil rights division. They've got a civil division. I'm not sure what the difference is. Oh, that's, that's a civil division represents the United States in a civil or criminal matter within its scope of responsibility. They've got a criminal division. They've got a national security division. I may actually do a report on the DOJ. They've got Environment and Natural Resources Division. Wait a minute. Don't we have an EPA for that? They've got a tax division. We've got an IRS for that. They've got a U.S. trustee program to promote integrity and efficiency in the nation's bankruptcy system. We've got a Securities and Exchange Commission for that. U.S. Attorney's Office. Okay, that makes sense. Law Enforcement. ATF. You're right, Pianchi. There it is. The DEA. FBI. Interpol. Do you know about Interpol Washington? Mission is to facilitate international law enforcement cooperation as the United States representative to Interpol. Okay, that actually makes sense. I can see that. U.S. Marshal Service. Yeah, the key back. word there is cooperation. Okay. Well, yeah, as long as they're not cooperating against us and our rights. If they're, if they're, yeah, well, they're, well, if they go into another country <laughs> tracking uh-huh. people, they got to – see, here's the thing. If they go into another country, they have to get cooperation, in other words, permission from the other country – to, you know, to be there. And that's the same thing it should be when they go into a, a state or a county. They need to check in with the sheriff. Yeah, no, I agree. So I, wouldn't give, I wouldn't give the FBI any enforcement authority whatsoever. Uh, now, the U.S. Marshals are under there. So if you have the U.S. Marshals, why do you need the FBI? I mean, this is quite fascinating. I mean, this is a big, this is a big deal. I need to report on them because there's a lot of offices here I don't think they're aware of. I wasn't until just now when I read it. This is fascinating. So we need to look more into. Yeah, you have Marshall got the right to go any place like a bounty hunter. So here's what I would do. Bounty hunter is an officer of the court. Yeah, see, now the Secret Service is, it was with the Treasury. I put the U.S. Marshals with the Treasury also. That's where they should be. Then we've got corrections, Federal Bureau of Prisons. Pardon attorney, they have an office for a pardon attorney. National Institute of Corrections, U.S. Parole Commission, that's kind of big. Then there's going for grants. Oh, this is, this. I had no idea this was this big. Grants, Bureau of Justice Administration, Bureau of Justice Statistics, uh, Community-Oriented Policing Services, they're in your local police department. National Institute of Justice, Office of Justice Programs, Office for Victims of Crime, Juvenile Justice, Office of Sex Offenders Sentencing, Monitoring, Office on Violence Against Women? Wait a minute. There's more. I'm not done yet. 
This is all part of the Department of Justice. Look at this. Media and Community Outreach, Community Relations Service, Office of Legislative Affairs, Office of Tribal Justice. I guess that's for the reservations. Office of Public Affairs. Then they got Victim Service, 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund, Foreign Claims Settlement Commission. What do they do? Foreign Claims is to adjudicate claims against foreign governments for losses and injuries sustained by United States nationals pursuant to programs authorized by statute. What? Office of Justice for Victims of Overseas Terrorism? U.S. Victims of Terrorism Abroad? U.S. Victims of State-Sponsored Terrorism? National Center for Disaster Fraud? (laughs) Doesn't FEMA handle that? I'm not done. There's more. Management Administration, Coordinated Tribal Assistance, Executive Office for Immigration Review. Wait a minute, doesn't the INS do that? Immigration Nationalization Service? Here's one, Foreign Agents Registration Act. Well, that might make sense. Executive Office for U.S. Attorneys. Well, that's the second. They already got one for that. Justice Management Division, Office of Attorney Recruitment, Office of Legal Command, oh, Legislative Legal Counsel. There we go. Mission to assist the Attorney General in carrying out their statutory responsibility. Office of Information Policy. This, I'm not done. Oversight, Office of Professional Responsibility, Advisory Office, Office of Inspector General. See, that should not be under the Department of Justice. That should be a separate, a separate agency. Office of Inspector General. See, what's happening with the Office of Inspector General, all the whistleblowers, in fact, there's a, there's a hearing tomorrow in Congress. And what they're going to be talking about is the, um, the whistleblowers are not being protected under the Whistleblower Protection Act at the FBI. So the Office of Inspector General has to be moved out of there. Oh, here's one, Special Counsel's Office, John Durham. John Durham has his own office where he spent four years producing absolutely nothing that should have been up before the 2020 election. Pianchi, there's more. Do you want to hear more? <laughs> this is staggering. Yes, that's, that's correct, Greg, but uh, a lot of things have to be changed like like you're talking about. Looks like you got somebody in the background there. Unless you yeah, got somebody I'm playing. getting ready to go out of the oh, country. Okay. But hey, the grandson. point is, is that uh, uh-huh. he's gone. But the point is, is that uh, it's just too much that they do and it causes problems. Yeah. You know, spying on United States citizens is, is is really a no-no, but they do it. Yeah, that's the problem. Um, Warren's here from New Orleans Wake Up. says the FBI has always targeted African-Americans to murder and sabotage uh, the black freedom movement. What's the black freedom movement? Bianchi. I don't know. Black got I don't I don't know. You hear all kinds of things. And I really don't want to get in a discussion in that direction. <clears throat> but the thing is is that uh they well, everything's to raised be to him. Yeah. Disassembled and reassembled. Yep. Let me give you one more and then I'm gonna play my sedition thing. I won't take a little break here. Uh this is from the Washington Examiner. This is uh two days ago. May 15th, by Eden Villalobas, V-I-L-L-A-L-O-V-A-S, from Washington Examiner. Headline, entire IRS investigative team removed from the Hunter Biden case. This, again, is the deep state. You cannot investigate the deep state. They, they just, they just they cut it off. And this is illegal, by the way, because this was a, a properly chartered investigation from the, from the uh, Inspector General's office, I believe. We'll find out when we get through this. Anyway, this is the IRS, which is separate from the Department of Justice, thank God, the IRS has removed the entire investigative team in the Hunter Biden tax evasion investigation. They can't do that. They cannot remove the investigative team in the Hunter Biden case. They simply can't. And yet they did. Here's the quote. 
Today, the Internal Revenue Service Criminal Supervisory Special Agent we represent was informed that he and his entire investigative team are being removed from the ongoing and sensitive investigation of the high-profile controversial subject about which our clients sought to make whistleblower disclosures to Congress. Attorneys Tristan Levitt and Mark Lytle, uh, or Little, L-Y-T-L-E, of Empower Oversight and Nixon Peabody, LLP, respectively wrote in the letter to Congress obtained by the Washington Examiner. Yeah, because they gave it to him. Think about this. The Internal Revenue Service criminal supervisory special agent we represent was informed that he and his entire investigative team are being removed from an ongoing and sensitive investigation. So wait a minute. As I understand it, when people go to Congress, especially Chris Ray, head of the FBI, uh, and whenever he gets a question he doesn't like, he says, well, that's, uh, that's part of an ongoing investigation. In other words, you can't ask me about it. So if they have an on, how do they take the entire investigative team from an ongoing investigation and just say, ah, sorry, you're done? <laughs> you know, um, who would have ordered such a thing? That's a cop out. <clears throat> That's their cop out. You know uh-huh. how presidents used to use the, the IRS as a weapon? Yeah, Nixon did that uh, for a lot. Uh huh. Sort of Obama. Nixon, Clinton, Obama, mm-hmm. Clinton, too. Yeah. And yeah. they do it. They do it through the tool called an audit. At any point in time, anyone can be, quote, unquote, breaking the law. Mm-hmm. Everybody's guilty of something. It's hard. They they have have yeah. yeah, exactly. Because it's subjective. Yeah, it's, it, it, yeah. You're right. They have so many laws. And what happens, just mm-hmm. as it is with the departments, they overlap one another. And mm-hmm. it's damn near a flip of coin. You want to do it, you want us to do it. Well, I think I just named about 10 different components of the Department of Justice that are already covered by other departments. So why do they have them? That's what we need. Well, I'm going to be talking about a national government audit. You know, that's what we need. We need to have a complete audit of the federal government, all the agencies. Remove all the duplication. Get rid of the stuff that shouldn't be done. Remove the unconstitutional parts. In fact, I propose a Department of Freedom to do that, <laughs> basically audit the government. Um, but um, we'll have to see. I'd be interested to see how this goes. All right. Yeah, creating all these departments, mm-hmm. creating, you know, creating all these departments where there's a price tag to go with them, and that price that tag that keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. it needs to be cut down. Well, and this is where this is where Congress could come in if they had any balls, but they don't because the Republicans are the the GOP, the gelding old party. But what they could do is say to the Department of Justice, "We're going to cut the following ten departments because they're already handled by other agencies. You don't need them." They could do that. They won't, but they could. So we have to force them to do it. So in other words, we the people need to tell them what to do. So it used to, my, my claim used to be, you know, when I started Action Radio, we need to, you know, you know suggest politely that uh, they adopt these bills and, and put them into the process. Th- those days are over. Now we the people have to make them do the right thing because they're obviously incapable of doing it. They are incapable of not spending money. They are, they are addicted to economic suicide, and we need to fix that. Let me just finish this paragraph and I'll take a break. The top issues, uh, wait a minute, excuse me, it says the removal order came from the Department of Justice. Hey, didn't we just talk about that, right? According to the letter, which also called the move clearly retaliatory. So how is it the Department of Justice can tell the IRS that their special investigation can't go forward? Who runs the Department of Justice? We think Merrick Garland, but who really runs the Department of Justice? You would say Joe Biden, but who really runs the Department of Justice is Barack Obama. That's who really runs the Department of Justice right now. This is, this is a, or Hillary Clinton or both. 
this is strikes me. Well, I would say Obama in this case, because he wants to protect Brandon because he doesn't want anything to happen to Brandon or his kid because his kid knows everything and can spill the beans. And that laptop. Well, that see, if Trump out, done that, uh-huh. if that was Trump doing that, it, it would be news stories about his interference uh-huh. of government operations. It well, we should start calling stories all up and down the airways. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. And we should call it, start calling it deep state news. So do you listen to deep state news or do you listen to news? Do you listen to Pravda, you know, USA Pravda or Zetsia? You know, uh, I heard someone was saying this last night. Pravda is Russian for truth and Zvestia is Russian for news. And, and the Russians say, well, you know, you don't get any truth from Pravda and you don't get any news from Zvestia. It's kind of interesting. Um, Someone else, something else is good. I'll, I'll finish this article. Something else. There's an interesting point uh, about this. But the idea that the, that the DOJ can tell the IRS they can't investigate Hunter Biden, that's really interesting. Then it says, any attempt by any government official to prevent a federal employee from furnishing information to Congress is also a direct violation of longstanding appropriations restriction. Furthermore, 18 U.S.C. Section 1505 makes it a crime to obstruct an investigation of Congress. Well, isn't that interesting? Then it says, "But the DOJ is supposed to be there for the prosecution. Prosecution based on information through investigation. No, the uh, the, the, they've turned through and went backwards. Yeah, the DOJ's become the defense, become hundreds hundreds defense attorneys." Of course not. The, their, their action is based on the evidence that is handed to them. Mm-hmm. Then they make a move, but now they have it backwards. They're telling those who are supposed to go out and seek the evidence what to do and what not to do. And yes, that's and wrong. You can't, yeah, you can't go out and seek the evidence. You cannot investigate Hunter Biden. Because he's special. He's protected. He's the president's – well, no, excuse me, I misspoke. He's Brandon's kid. He's the illegal occupant of the White House's kid. And he's a crack addict, so he's going to say whatever he feels like. He'll actually – he'll probably – he's probably the one person in, in the, the Brandon insurrection that actually would tell the truth because, he's, you know, he's drugged out. He doesn't care. Anyway, last little bit. The letter states that despite potential retaliation, my client is offering to provide you with information necessary to exercise your constitutional oversight function and wishes to make the disclosures in a nonpartisan manner to the leadership of the relevant committees on both sides of the political aisle. So in other words, they're going before Congress. This is going to go to Congress. It's going to come out in a hearing, probably a Jim Jordan hearing. Matt Gates will be on judiciary. He's going to talk about this. I'm sure I'll keep watching this. This, this just came out, but this is going to be huge. This is going to be a big, big deal. And this was just announced uh, two days ago. So it's got to have time to kind of uh, gel a little bit. The, the people in Congress have to start getting their act together. Um, but uh, that's what's going on. All right. So I'm going to play this. From, um, let's see what Warren's going to And before so, you go. Yeah. Oh, no, it's okay. Yeah, go ahead. I got time. Yeah. And see, this is, if, if you go back to the days of prohibition uh-huh. and uh, gangsterism, the prosecutor would tell well, this is what we need in order for it to be viable in court. Mm-hmm. And they had to get the evidence. You know, whether it's a conversation, whether it's names, a list, or whatever. They had to have the evidence in order for a prosecutor to be able to prosecute the party in court, whether it's Al Capone or whoever. Mm-hmm. So that's the way that's supposed to work. But now what you've done 
what from what you just read, the DOJ is telling the FBI or the IRS in this case, mm-hmm. don't do any further investigation on the income that is being derived by Hunter Biden. Yeah, exactly. Now Hunter Biden has a has a tax evasion case. And do you know do you know where a lot of the evidence is coming out of Hunter Biden? This is hysterical. Family court. The the woman he had a kid with is mm-hmm. suing him for for uh um child support, right? Because they, they had a kid. And so and the judge said, Okay, well let's see how much money you're making. <laughs> so so the IRS said, Well, this is interesting. He hasn't declared all this income. And, of course, the IRS, we know they want income. They'll even take income from illegal aliens, which we know is illegal. We proved that yesterday. But they do it anyway. Um, but this is fascinating. So family court is for Hunter Biden. Like this is one of the disclosures. Uh-huh. Go ahead. This is the ATF is going around knocking on people's doors and say, well, we see where you bought uh, five guns last month. Yeah. yeah. Well, the IRS has provided information sure that you don't have that kind of income based on what you would need to live. It's that kind of ignorance that's happening. Well, that's just, if that's you show communism. us the guns, and women, yeah. if you show us the guns, we'll leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and here's the thing too. And of course, they use the, the you ever heard the expression, "If you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to worry about." I say, listen, if you have nothing to prove, I don't even have to talk to you. <laughs> you know, so what do you got to prove? What can you prove? You know, that's the response that people should have. It's not person. what you, yeah. And this person, when you flash that bad, they'd be ready to undress. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it's that type of thing that's going on. Yeah. Well, I understand that, too. I mean, here's the thing. If the FBI shows up with my door with a SWAT team, you know, am I going to resist? Hell no, because they're going to kill me. And there goes Action Radio. So what I would do is I would fight it later. You know, I'd, uh, you know, do my court thing and hopefully get out. I would not admit to any crimes. I would never admit to a crime I didn't do. I'm not going to do that. Uh, so you might have to take over. <laughs> you know, you know talk, to, talk to our fellow reporters. And yeah, you know what they're on. looking for? Uh-huh. You know what they're looking for in that case? They're looking for straw purchasers. That's what they're yeah. looking for. Uh-huh. Well, you know, it's interesting. Now, let's consider the situation. So me, they just oppress me. They suppress me. They cancel my shows. They, they, they keep them out of as much of social media as possible, not the search engines. Although I can find it. Once you know where to look, I mean, actually, this is really easy to find. But you have to know where to look. Just put Action Radio Citizen Legislature. We pop up everywhere. Put my name in. You've got like five pages dedicated just to me. It's really pretty amazing. I check them every once in a while just to see what, what, uh, what internet articles, you know, things I've done. You know, I have like tour guide reviews from San Francisco mm-hmm. now. They pop up. It's really funny. Anyway, uh, it's public figure. It just goes to the territory. Um, the they point go to is, Facebook and tell Facebook on who <laughs> to censor. Now, suppose Facebook says, well, we're not going to do that because that's against first. Well, then they yeah. say, we know other things about you, too. Mm-hmm. So well, what they, they do willing to do it. Yeah, but Facebook is willing to do it. Twitter is willing to do it. Remember that arrogant woman, that, that horribly arrogant woman who, who canceled Trump, canceled his account. He said, well, we're just protecting the public from misinformation. How dare you? You're, first Either that or they're judged. being extorted. What's that? Either that or they're being extorted. I don't think so. I think they did it willingly. But I, imagine, I bet you some people are being extorted. You know, some, some uh, uh, folks that actually have some shred of Americanism left in them. But the thing is what uh, Jonathan explained this to us. They're called state actors. So in other words, uh, the, the, uh, the FBI nor any government agency can ask a corporation to do uh, that, things that the FBI couldn't do themselves. So in other words, they cannot ask 
um, to have uh, um, the the social media target different folks. They can't ask to do this. They can't, you know, they can't go onto Telegram and then, you know, spy on people, you know, and, or ask corporate or ask Telegram to spy on people. They can't. No corporation, no private entity can be asked to act as a government agent if the government themselves can't do it. So if it violates the First Amendment. And the FBI says, well, we can't do that. It violates the First Amendment. We'll just hire this corporation to do it. That's illegal. They can't Well, they do can it. do it, but is it permissible in court? That's where the problem comes. So if it's not permissible in court coming from you, well, they would just pass it on to somebody else. Yeah, but, you know, if we have to go to court for every violation, you know, the law, I mean, compliance with the law is a requirement for free society because we can't prosecute everybody that might violate every law. We can't. We don't have the room in the court. So most laws are obeyed by most people, especially the big ones, you know, um, stealing, <laughs> you know, uh, that kind of stuff, murder. You know, most people don't do that. Why? Because we're obeying the law. You know, there, there are millions of gun owners and some 450 million guns in this country. Well, all those guns are, belong to people, and the people obey the law with them. They're not, they're not breaking the law with them. Well, but a few criminals the are. With them. What's that? If you get a lot of scratch-off ticket and you win twenty dollars, you don't report that you you've avoided paying income on in, you, you avoided paying mm-hmm. taxes on income. So people break the law all the time. It just depends on what. Yeah, but is that is the law itself? Yeah, is the law itself uh, the problem? So enforcing a twenty-dollar scratch-off profit. You know, when you've got uh, you've got banks that are uh, purposely failing, or you've got a government bailing out a bank, so the, the real crimes are done by government. Well, how many would, how many counts do they have against you on at an indictment? Yeah, oh, yeah. that could well, be I mean, one count. You know, are you going to arrest all the Uber drivers? It would be up to the judge. Yeah, it would be up to the judge to uh, accept it or not. Yes, they do go after. Uh, waiter, waitresses, because in some restaurants they used to cut the cash register off at ten o'clock. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, you know, if you wanted to arrest people for using cash, I mean, go to Chinatown, in San Francisco. That whole the whole Chinatown functions on cash. You know, so you want to talk about an underground economy? Anyway, get but your article. If they, if, if they want to, well, what I'm saying is, if they want to do it, I don't care. So, in other words, there's a lot of crimes. There's a lot of laws that are stupid and shouldn't be enforced. You know, the, the lottery being, being one of them. Now, if you, if you win, you know, several million dollars, that might be a different story. All right. So what I want to do is take a little break now. It is 9.07. And what I want to play, and then I'll play some commercials after it. We'll get those done, too. This will be about 10 minutes. But um, 9.07, I, something I made for Santa Rosa Volunteers, which may come back, by the way. We're, we're, we're chatting. Uh, so I might, be, uh, I might be starting to make these again. At least I hope so, anyway, because it was fun. Um, but this is the Sedition Act of 1798. And it really explains sedition. Uh, and just think of a conspiracy as people in, is a group engaged in sedition. So I'll play this, play my my other half of my commercials, and we'll be back in a little bit, and then we'll have uh, we're going to talk about uh, Project Lone Star. So let's play this, and I'll be back. This is Greg Penglis for Action Radio with founding moments, insights into our founding documents, sponsored by Santa Rosa Volunteers, here in Santa Rosa County, Florida. Santa Rosa Volunteers is available at their website, srv1776.com. That's srv1776.com. 
This week, I want to break from the Federalist and Anti-Federalist papers to consider one of the many aberrations in the early days of the land of the free. That is, the Sedition Act of 1798. Granted, this is always grouped with the companion bills on aliens, but I see them as separate issues. Why would a new government, formed from colonies under rules of sedition from a foreign monarch, bring about that same tyranny into our government so early in its existence? The Constitution was ratified on September 17, 1787. The Bill of Rights was ratified on December 15, 1791. So it was already in the supreme law of the land that Congress could make no law that abridged the freedom of speech, thus making any subordinate law on sedition unconstitutional automatically. And yet, it happened. All power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Therefore, if you have a government of good laws and yet bad officials who crave the preservation of power more than the alleged guarantees of freedom, freedom takes second place. You can see that in evidence throughout the entire government response to a coronavirus that would have run its course naturally in about 10 weeks, just like the flu every year, and would have been gone by the summer of 2020 when all viruses fade until the winter. And yet, look at the massive amount of power taken from the people in a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Sedition is defined in my online dictionary as conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority of a state or monarch. So what did the government put into a law that so obviously came from the former ruler of the colonies into the new government of the United States? The Sedition Act is titled, An Act for the Punishment of Certain Crimes Against the United States. In other words, conduct or speech that criticizes the government. <laughs> Where have we heard that before? Section 1 of the Sedition Act reads, Be it enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America, in Congress assembled, that if any persons shall unlawfully combine or conspire together with intent to oppose any measure or measures of the government of the United States, which are or shall be directed by proper authority, or to impede the operation of any law of the United States, or to intimidate or prevent any person holding a place or office in or under the government of the United States from undertaking, performing, or executing his trust or duty, and if any person or persons with intent as aforesaid shall counsel, advise, or attempt to procure any insurrection, riot, unlawful assembly, or combination, whether such conspiracy, threatening, counsel, advice, or attempt, Shall have, been, shall have the proposed effect or not, he or they shall be deemed guilty of a high misdemeanor. This, of course, violates the entire First Amendment, except with regard to religion. It gets worse. Section 2 <laughs> says in part, And be it further enacted, that if any person shall write, print, utter, or publish, or shall cause or procure to be written, printed, uttered, or published, or shall knowingly and willingly assist or aid in writing, printing, uttering, or publishing any false, scandalous, and malicious writing or writings against the government of the United States, or either House of the Congress of the United States, or of the President of the United States, with intent to defame the said government, or either House of the said Congress, or the said President, or to bring them, or either of them, 
into contempt or disrepute, or to excite against them, or either or any of them, the hatred of the good people of the United States. Hmm. In other words, saying anything against the government of the United States or anyone in it is a crime punishable by jail and fines. This effectively creates political prisoners in the United States, much like the innocent people in the D.C. Gulag jail for being in the Capitol building January 6th. If that were not bad enough, within the Sedition Act is probably the most dangerous provision to individual liberty that I have yet seen in the founding documents and provides a shocking precursor to the future neutralization of our jury system and the supremacy of the government courts over the people. Section 3. And be it further enacted and declared that if any person shall be prosecuted under this act for the writing or publishing any libel aforesaid, it shall be lawful for the defendant upon the trial of the cause to give an evidence in his defense, the truth of the matter contained in publication charged as a libel, and the jury who shall try the cause shall have a right to determine the law and the facts under the direction of the court as in other cases. The key words here are under the direction of the court. The whole point of a jury is to not only determine the guilt of the defendant, the restitution in a civil case, but most important for the jury is to determine whether the laws implied are fair, just, constitutional, and are not arbitrary and capricious reservoirs of unlimited government power over the people. Jurors can do whatever they want because they are the representatives of the people over the judges who work for the government and therefore work for the people. And yet, as virtually every judge instructs their juries that they can only judge the facts of the case and not the law. That lie is repeated every day in courts all across the country. And now I see where it came from. Section 3 is really saying that the juries and therefore the people are under the direction of the court. What the Sedition Act really does it makes criticism of the government a crime and allows government judges to direct the juries that would hear any case under this act, thus destroying the right of free speech and to redress grievances against the government and to due process and the right to a jury trial of one's peers. One could imagine anyone charged under this act would be guilty until proven innocent and then ruined by government if they were proved innocent. Can you think of any parallels to the rights of free speech today? The Sedition Act was approved July 14, 1798, signed by John Adams, President of the United States. This is Greg Penglis for Action Radio with Founding Moments, sponsored by Santa Rosa Volunteers. Their website is srv1776.com. That's srv1776.com. Please share this report to anyone who needs it. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system.
You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Radio, dangerously cool. And we are back. I got Pianki on the line. I've got uh, live chat. We've got New Orleans wake up. Um, usually doing the same old race stuff I've seen before a lot of times. Warren, you got to do some new stuff. You know, try try and make a comment without race in it. Just 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 humor me, okay? Just see what you can do with that. Anyway, uh, then I'll read these on the air. All right. So there's something going on that's really interesting in Texas, and of course the the, the Democrat, you know immigration lobby, uh, or excuse me, the Democrat illegal alien lobby, uh, is getting all upset. They can't stand it because Texas is actually doing what states can do, um, which is uh, control their borders, uh, control the people that are in their state, because states are made up of dual citizens. You know, American citizen, you know, is our national citizenship, um, but you're also a citizen of the state in which you reside, if you're an American citizen. So we all have dual citizenship. We are citizens of the country and citizens of the state. So I am a citizen of the United States and a citizen of the state of Florida per the 14th Amendment, which is back 18, I think it was right after the Civil War. I can look up the date. I actually read the debate of, of how it came about. It's really quite fascinating. So the states have to, can protect their state citizens. So Texas is doing that. And this is myth. This is horrible myth that says that the, uh, the United States government has the sole control of immigration. That's not true. 
first of all, the Congress, uh, the Constitution only says that Congress shall have uh, the power to make uniform rules of natural naturalization, in other words, to become American citizens. And the reason for that was so that the states didn't determine their own separate ways to make U.S. citizens. That's part of the reason we have uh, a federal government, to standardize things that the states would dispute. Commerce, things like that. Uh, railroad gauges. You know, one of the big problems with uh, before the Constitution was that the rail. Was that, anyway, the railroad gauges. There were like wide gauges, narrow gauges, and the states would have to stop a train and transfer another one. Anyway, the federal government says, "Wait a minute! In the interest of interstate commerce, you all got to use the same width railroad gauge, so the trains can move and goods can move between states." Okay, fair enough. Uh, certain states with with rivers and harbors had, you know, separate taxes and fees and tariffs. Well, can't do that either. So in that respect, the federal government standardized a lot of things so that commerce, interstate commerce could take place, right? But this is myth that uh, the government can only, only the federal government can control immigration. That's not true. What the federal government can control is the federal border. That makes sense. But immediately inside the federal border is the state border. And of course, the biggest one is the state of Texas. But also I include uh, uh, New Mexico and California. And Arizona is like just up from New Mexico, if I remember. Let's see my map. Hang on. Map, 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 map. Ah, so I always have the globe at my disposal. Let's take a look at my state uh, boundaries here. So the United you know, States the federal, is the federal borders. Federal borders start so far in from the waterways. <clears throat> yeah. It's so the so the the border with Mexico is Texas, uh, New Mexico, and California. Those are the three states that border Mexico. And yet we have all the separation of the Rio Grande River. Right, exactly. But the point is that uh, this article, and I got, a, I got a great article here from the Texas Tribune. So I went to the Texas source on this. Um, anyway, what's happening is that uh, Greg Abbott, governor of Texas, is doing what the Border Patrol should be doing under Brandon, which is keeping the border secure. And so I find this fascinating. He should it's be gonna there, get, too. Well, he should, yeah, but it's a, billion, it's a multi-billion dollar operation um, because they're trying to keep the illegals out of Texas. And so what they should do is, be, is, is just push the, the illegals out of Texas into the next state. And the next state should push them to the next state. And eventually they'll get to California, Michigan, and New York, and Illinois. <laughs> you know, the what he should do, uh-huh. what Texas should do is keep track of the cost and build the federal government. Agreed. And Good point. they don't want to cut a check. Yeah. But if they don't want to cut a check, then you deduct that amount, which you turn over to them through federal withholding tax. Well, exactly. Uh, so the states can retaliate. But what about FEMA? You know, when you declare an emergency, FEMA gives you multiple billions of dollars. So where, where's the FEMA money? This is a disaster. It's an emergency. It's not a tornado or a hurricane, but it's, it's just as, in fact, it's worse than a lot of uh, tornadoes or hurricanes. Anyway, here's what they say. So this is uh, March 30th, 2022. So this is uh, a year old. And this is, I'm going to give a little perspective. I've got more modern articles, but this is what they did a year ago. So this has been in operation for a couple of years. It says, what is Operation Lone Star? Governor Greg Abbott's controversial border mission explained. And again, this is the Texas Tribune. You'd think would be, you know, fairly conservative. Eh, not necessarily. This is by Emily Hernandez, uh, March 30th, 2022. And she says, uh, what is Operation Lone Star? Uh, it is a border security initiative launched by Texas Governor Greg Abbott in March 2021. So, again, this is over two years old in response to rising border crossings, which he blames on, uh, they say, President Joe Biden. I won't say that. I'll just say uh, insurrectionist Joe Biden's. Uh, and they say immigration policies. And that's not right either. This is not an immigration policy. This is an invasion. These people are not immigrants. 
You can't cut They're not migrants either. So let's call this what it is. Uh, illegal occupant Joe Biden's uh, invasion. That's what's going on. And that's why the states are fully empowered to deal with invaders. In fact, it's actually in the, doesn't the Constitution say that? In fact, the federal government is responsible for making sure we're not invaded. The problem is the federal government is actually causing this invasion. Article 4, Section 4, one of my personal favorites. The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government. So that basically makes democracy unconstitutional for those that don't understand this. Then it says, and shall protect each of them, in other words, the states, against invasion. So that's a constitutional violation right there. Then it says on application of the legislature or the executive da, 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 uh, against domestic violence. Well, they, they failed on both counts. We're going to get domestic violence from the illegal alien invaders, and uh, it's an invasion. So, so the federal government has blatantly violated Article 4 in two different places, and they're trying to force us into a democracy when clearly the Constitution says that we are guaranteed a republic. There's three con- so Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution is violated on all counts by the Brandon insurrection, besides the fact that they're an illegal government on top of it. All right. Article says, in May 2021, Abbott issued a disaster declaration, which now covers 53 counties. Most of them are on or near the border. I wonder how many counties there are in Texas. Probably over 100. I'm just guessing. Anyway, it says, to give him the authority to deploy the Texas National Guard to the border. Wow. Should have done that anyway. Then it says, the state agencies responsible for running Operation Lone Star are the Texas Department of Public Safety and the Texas Military Department. Well, public safety would be the Texas Rangers, I imagine. Texas military would be the Texas National Guard, I imagine. But we'll see. Then she says, how much does all this cost and who's paying for it? She says, Operation Lone Star is costing taxpayers $2.5 million every week. According to an analysis by the Texas Tribune, ProPublica, the Marshall Project, published in March 2022. Those all sound liberal to me. Especially Texas Tribune, which I'm reading from right now. So $2.5 million. So, so then they should send FEMA... Right, Pianchi, a bill every week for $2.5 million, right? That's okay, I'll continue on. He's busy. Market's about to open. Actually, the market opened an hour ago. (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah. All right, so then then she says the Texas legislature passed House Bill 9 in September of 2021. Now, remember, the Texas legislature only meets every two years. And their session, I think, is either has ended or is just about to end. And that's it for two years. That, I think, is stupid. They should at least meet once a year. I don't mind legislators meeting, you know, once a year, twice a year, or continuously. I just care what they do. And things happen so fast now to not meet at least, at least every year, I think, is irresponsible. But that's me. Then it says, September 21, authorizing the state to dedicate almost $2 billion to border security over the next two years. And that's bringing the total border security budget to almost $3 billion for the biennium. And that would be the every two-year meeting of the, of the Texas state legislature. She says the bill included $750 million to build a state-funded border wall, which Abbott has asked his supporters to fund with donations. Private donations have contributed more than $55 million uh, as of February 11, 2022. Hmm, wonder how much now. Article says Texas Democrats have criticized Abbott and HB9, saying they're throwing money at short-term law enforcement-based solutions rather than taking a more comprehensive and humanitarian approach to border security. In other words, give everybody citizenship. That's what the Democrats want. So they can then vote Democrat. That's what this is about. This is, a, this is, this is part of the, uh, the rise of the new Democrat Confederacy. Anyway, she's a state uh, rep, Rafael Anchia, Democrat <coughs> of Dallas, criticized the initiative for lacking clear metrics to measure success. That's just stupid. How many state troopers and National Guard soldiers have been sent to the border? 
She says, when Abbott first announced Operation Lone Star, 500 National Guard members uh, were sent to the border, and HB9 funded the deployment of 1,800 soldiers in September 2021. Later that month, Abbott dedicated 1,000 BS personnel, I guess that's Texas Rangers, and more than 400 Texas National Guard to the border in response to the sudden arrival of 16,000 migrants, which aren't migrants, in Del Rio. The operation was massively upscaled in November 2021, sending up to 10,000 National Guard members to the border. Well, I didn't hear anything about this. This wasn't in the news. I mean, I heard about it vaguely, but uh, this is a big operation. $2 billion from the Texas State Legislature, $2.5 million per week. This is one of the biggest government programs in the country right now. Now, here's the part that really pissed me off. It says, can states enforce immigration laws? Of course, the obvious answer is yes, because they can enforce anything that affects citizens of their state. But that's not what the article says. The article says the federal government has sole authority to enforce immigration laws. That's not true. Then it says, while DPS and the National Guard can't enforce those laws, yes, they can, Abbott increased trespassing penalties under the disaster declaration and directed state troopers to arrest migrants, which aren't migrants, on state trespassing charges when they are caught on private property. So, Pianchi, let me ask you a question. How is it that only we, in this case, me, I'm I'm trying to be humble here, have thought of using asset forfeiture against these people or against the cartels or against the companies that hide them or against the government, uh, the, the NGOs, the non-governmental organizations that are harboring these people and all the companies that hire them. How come nobody's pushing asset forfeiture? They did it for drug dealers and it worked. Asset forfeiture against drug dealers works. We don't have the drugs that we had in the 80s. Well, we have fentanyl. That's different. They're brought in by the cartels. But we don't have domestically the drug situation we had in the 80s with crack and cocaine. Because asset forfeiture worked. We stole their Ferraris and their houses and their yachts and their airplanes. Not stole, we confiscated. Now, the problem was when they did it without conviction, without due process. That was illegal. That's unconstitutional. But once you got a conviction, take it all. Then she says, that promoted 26 Democrats from Texas and across the country to send a letter in October asking the federal government to investigate what they called Abbott's catch and jail policy and whether it violates state law and the U.S. Constitution. Oh, yeah, you're going to show me. you got to show me where uh, the states cannot arrest criminals within their state. They cannot stop an invasion within their state. That is absolutely constitutional. Anyway, says, they say that Biden, and I'll use my word, insurrection, has not publicly acted on the complaints and thousands of uh, <laughs> illegal migrants have been held in state prisons. Okay, so basically that's it. So that's it for that article. Let me, let me move on here so I can think of something a little more updated. Well, states should do that. Uh-huh. What would happen if they don't? The only thing that could happen, it would be, it would, it would revert down to a tug of war. The state be pulling on the left arm, the federal government would be pulling on the right arm of the illegal, and it just pull them in two. Yeah, you've got the federal government bringing them in. You got the states trying to kick them out. <laughs> it's like the accelerator and brake theory that we talk about with economics, where Congress is the accelerator, you know, running up spending and. Uh, um, the Fed is the break, pushing up interest rates. Well, they can't coexist. Interesting. Let's move up to December 29th, 2022, so we'll advance a year. So this would be about, what, six months ago? Operation Lone Star takes historic action throughout 2022. This is from the state of Texas. This is the governor's office. So this is Governor Greg Abbott who sponsored this program. And it says, Governor Greg Abbott, the Texas Department of Public Safety, and the Texas National Guard are continuing to take Historic action in 2022 under Operation Lone Star to secure the border and stop cartels and criminals from smuggling deadly drugs, weapons, and people into Texas. 
Since the launch of Operation Lone Star, the multi-agency effort has led to over 336,000 illegal, as I call them, migrant apprehensions and more than 23,000 criminal arrests, with more than 20,000 felony charges reported. In the fight against fentanyl, DPS has seized over 354 million lethal doses of fentanyl during this border mission. Pianchi, you took a deep breath. <laughs> you want to say something? No, I wouldn't take a deep breath. It must be somebody else. But no, that there is astronomical. Yeah. Uh, what's going on with this fentanyl and its, potent, its, its potency is really something that should be taken in concern. That's like the opium war that uh, was imposed upon China. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We should talk about that sometime. Anyway, I want to, last paragraph. Operation Lone Star continues to fill the dangerous gaps left by the Brandon insurrection. Refusal to secure the border. Every individual who was apprehended or arrested and every ounce of drugs seized would have otherwise made their way into communities across Texas and the nation due to insurrectionist Brandon's, my words, open border policies. So it's not their refusal. See, see Brandon does not have a refusal to, to secure the border. Brandon's policy is to have no border. See, people don't understand that. Uh, Mayorkas, the psychopath at the head of uh, Homeland Security, his job is to bring everybody he can from around the world in the United States. That's what he sees as his job because he wants to destroy this country. He's a psychopath. He's a lying psychopath who can sit there in Congress and say the border is secure and have no qualms about it and know there's going to be no retaliation because he's got whatever immunity he has. He's got the protection of the Brandon insurrection, which ultimately is under Barack Obama. So they don't care. None of these people care. So they need to have all their asses thrown in jail for the rest of their natural lives for doing what they're doing to this country. Next update, January 6th, <laughs> 2023. Office of the Governor of Texas, Operation Lone Star continues, unprecedented border mission. So if this is illegal for them to do that, how come the governor wasn't arrested? If, if the federal government is the sole authority over anything even remotely related to immigration, which they're not, why wasn't this uh, defunded? Why aren't they arrested? How come the Department of Justice hasn't uh, you know, sent in the, the federal troops to stop this operation to let their illegals in? I mean, that's what, that's what the, the Democrat Confederacy, the new Confederacy would do. But they're not. They're just objecting to it. Or this, and they're also suppressing the news so people don't find out about it. I think they don't care that Texas is spending this much money. Then it says, Governor Greg Abbott. Okay, so here's January 6, 2023, about a few months, a couple months after the last one. No, wait a minute. It was 2022. This is almost a year later. So this is this, is this year. Governor Greg Abbott, the Texas Democrat. And this is before Title 42 changed. All right. So we're talking about pre-42. This is Governor Greg Abbott, Texas Department, the usual folks, are continuing to work together to secure the border, stopping the smuggling of drugs, weapons, and people into Texas and, and prevent, detect, and interdict transnational criminal behavior between ports of entry. Okay, so let's talk about that. So ports of entry, everybody has to come legally through a port of entry. They have to be inspected, and they have to be approved to come into the country. That's how it works. Anybody that enters the country other than a port of entry is entering illegally. That's why we have a wall. So the wall is not designed to keep people out, folks. The wall is designed to make sure that everybody who wants to come to this country comes through a legal port of entry. There is no wall at a legal port of entry. That's where you go in. But if you decide to go into the country other than a legal port of entry, that is why we have a wall. Article says, since the launch of Operation Lone Star, the multi-agency effort has led to over, gets bigger, 340,000 illegal immigrant apprehensions and more than 23,000 criminal arrests and more than 21,000 felony charges reported. 
In the fight against fentanyl, DPS has seized over 355 million lethal doses of fentanyl during this border mission. Texas has also, oh, here's where it gets more fun, right? This is the good part. Texas has also bussed more than 9,100, quote, migrants, I give my words, to our nation's capital since April, over 4,900 to New York City since August 5th, and more than 1,500 <clears throat> migrants to Chicago since August 31st, and more than 840 <clears throat> migrants to Philadelphia since November 15th. So that's about 10, 15, 16 and a half, 17. So looking about 17, uh, no, 10, so it's like 10,000, so is it 10? I'm going to do my math over That's 10,000, 10,5. Uh, that would be another five, so that would be 15. Yeah, about 16,000 <coughs> migrants to sanctuary places. 16,000, and that's nothing. They should have done 300,000. That probably been more expensive. Then it says Operation Lone Star continues to fill the gap. Okay, so that's the same thing. These guys are doing a great job. They're doing what the federal government should be doing, but of course the federal government is against us. The federal government is causing the invasion. Okay, let me get this recent one here. Office of the Governor of Texas, May 8th. So this is last week. <laughs> Governor Abbott deploys new Texas Tactical Border Force. Gets even better. Governor Greg Abbott today announced the deployment of the new Texas Tactical Border Force to the Texas-Mexico border to respond to the growing border crisis at Austin Bernstein Bringstrom, International Airport in Austin. Now, Austin's in northern Texas. This is kind of interesting. Anyway, let me just, uh, no comments on uh, live chat. He says, uh, with President, oh, I say it again, I'm sorry, with insurrectionist Joe Brandon ending Title 42 this Thursday, this is before it ended, I'll get to the one after it. This Thursday, the governor is enhancing Texas' unprecedented border security efforts with the tactical deployment of hundreds of Texas National Guard soldiers to join the thousands already deployed as part of Operation Lone Star. Uh, and we need something like this in Florida. We need Operation, you know, go home, <laughs> something like that. Uh, anyway, it says, with the ending of Title 42 on Thursday, insurrectionist Brandon is laying down the welcome mat to people across the entire world. But Texas is deploying our new Texas tactical border force. Governor Abbott says the Texas National Guard is loading Black Hawk helicopters and C-130s. Those are four-engine, you know, piston transports. Those are big, right? And the, everybody's seen the, the, the Blue Angels, Fat Albert? That's a C-130. And C-130 and is deploying specially trained soldiers for the Texas tactical border force who will be deployed to hotspots all along the border to help intercept and repel large groups of <clears throat> migrants trying to enter Texas illegally. The Texas Tactical Border Force will bolster our operation, uh, Lone Star efforts to secure the border, uh, and other chaos caused by, you know, insurrectionist Brandon ending Title 42. This is great. He says, uh, this is, let me see, Governor is joining, we've got a press conference here. Talk about Department DPS, uh, Steve McGraw, who said, uh, McCraw, who said, I've traveled along the border and seen firsthand the impact insurrectionist Brandon's border crisis, those are my words, is having on Texas communities. Uh, he says, Governor Abbott is doing the job that Brandon and the federal government is refusing to do. And Texas will continue to work relentlessly to defend our border. See, there, see this is the first time I've ever seen this, Pianchi, that uh, the state is actually saying we're defending our border. Our, now, is it our state border or is it our federal border? In the case of Texas, it's actually the same thing. They're def- so the state is defending the federal border as well as the state border. He says, today's deployment of the Texas Tactical Border Force will allow us to shift resources to needed locations effectively and efficiently. Wow. Texas National Guard is executing a plan of multi-phase response in preparation for the end of Title 42. See, they knew this was coming. They knew it was coming. 
There's more to the article, but you can. Oh, oh, here are the latest stats. The new Texas Tactical Border Force is, in addition to Governor Abbott's historic Operation Lone Star, first launched May 20, uh, March 2021. Under Operation Lone Star, Texas has deployed thousands of... Da, 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 da. Here we go. Apprehended more than 373,000 illegal aliens, arrested more than 28,000 criminals, seized more than 400 million lethal doses of fentanyl, enough to kill every man, woman, and child in America. Actually, more than that. Um, here we go. Governor Abbott has... Uh, here we go. In the wake of federal government's inaction, here's what Governor Abbott has done. Secure, well, the legislature, too. They have secured $4 billion in funding for Texas border security. Launched Operation Lone Star, hired Texas' first-ever border czar, <laughs> taking aggressive action to aid border communities, designated Mexican drug cartels as terrorist organizations, arresting and jailing criminals trespassing or committing other state crimes along the border, issuing an executive order authorizing the Texas National Guard uh, and, and Rangers to return illegal aliens to the border at port of entry. Oh, that's interesting. Allocating resources to acquire 1,700 unused steel panels to build the border wall. So they're building their own wall, right? Signing a law to make it easier to prosecute smugglers. Signing 15 laws cracking down on human trafficking. Signing a law enhancing penalties for the manufacture and distribution of fentanyl. Issuing a disaster declaration for the border crisis, which the federal government should pay for. Issuing an executive order preventing non-governmental entities, that would be Catholic charities, etc., from transporting illegal aliens. Signing memoranda of understanding between Texas and the state of Chihuahua, 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 Coahuila, Nuevo León, and Tamaulipas, those be Mexican states, states of Chihuahua, Coahuila, Nuevo, Josie, help me with pronunciation, Nuevo León, and Tam, Tamaulipas to enhance border security measures in their states that will prevent illegal aliens from Mexico to Texas and activating the Joint Border Security Operations Center, the JBSOC, and directing the Texas Department of Public Safety, Texas Military Department, and Texas Division of Emergency Management to coordinate Texas response to secure the border. Every state should be doing this. This is unbelievably good news. Look what they're doing. Texas is going to save the rest of us. That's what's happening. That's how serious this is. Texas, by doing this, is saving the rest of us just in case you didn't notice. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. I got more. <laughs> I got a couple more of these, then we're done. We done I might start this up a little. It's been a great show. Wait, every state could do that. What's that? Every state could do that. Yeah, they could. For instance, like between Illinois and Missouri, you got to cross a bridge. Well, on the Missouri side of the bridge, they could have checkpoints to show that you're a U.S. citizen. You know what? State border checkpoints is a damn good system. idea. That's a damn good idea. State border checkpoints. Actually, they have border checkpoints in California for agriculture. State citizen. So let's put state border. Let's go U.S. citizen checkpoints. They got they got agriculture checkpoints in your airports. You can't bring prepared food from another country into the United States. That was the issue with the Haitians. It was going over to Mexico, mm-hmm. then waiting across the uh, Rio Grande with food, and that's illegal. Yep. Hey, I was in customs for a while. I, I seized various uh, uh, agricultural products and directed people to do stuff. I actually found a smuggler, too. It's kind of cool. <laughs> I don't know if I can give details. I, I, have a secu- I had a security clearance, but yeah. 
Then they put me stamping passports and wouldn't let me do that good way anymore. So I left. Anyway, um, yeah, every state could do this. Florida definitely needs to have a uh, – um, in fact, I know a couple of representatives. I know Joel Rudman is my representative to the state legislature and Michelle Saltzman, who's uh, the representative of the next county over in Escambia County. I can talk to them about setting up, talk to them to talk to the governor about setting up uh, border checkpoints to check for citizenship. Why not? The idea that only the federal government and the federal government is responsible at the federal at the U.S. border. But immediately inside that border is the state border and every state in this country. Is respond- Remember I said yesterday, that's part of my plan. Every cop is a border cop. Every state is a border state. Every state has a responsibility to check citizenship. We're not doing immigration. We're not processing people and making them citizens. What we're doing is arresting, prosecuting, and removing criminals. See, the state of Texas is not dropping them off in Mexico. They're dropping them off at the U.S. federal border. And if the, if the government, the feds won't do their job, which apparently they're not, then Texas is going to keep bringing them there. Or are they going to ship them around the country? Good for them. So that would make California responsible for the illegals in their state. Texas should ship all of them to California. Uh, I hate that. I love California. It, was really, it, was, it used to be a really pretty place. When I got there in the 80s, California was gold. It was golden. It was a, and they called it the golden state for a reason. It was absolutely golden. Living there was a blast. All right. May 12th, 2023. Five, what's it say? It's the 17th. So it would have been what, five days ago. Governor Greg Abbott. The set of the usual suspects are continuing to work to secure the border. This is as 42 ends, okay? Since the launch of the Operation Lone Star. Okay, there's the record. We heard that before. Governor Abbott Monday announced the deployment of the Texas Tactical Border Force. We got that. Uh, with, with, with President Biden ending Title 42 yesterday, the governor is en- enhancing Texas' unprecedented border security efforts with the tactical deployment of hundreds. Or there, I said that. So basically, they did the same thing after they did before. Let me get you some new news here. Uh, here, uh, here we go. So on Thursday, Governor Abbott, uh, the other folks, at a press conference with Fox News, which actually was reporting you know, real news for a change. Uh, in their first joint interview about the unprecedented surge, da, 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 he says the ending of Title 42 marks the latest effort by Brandon uh, to dismantle every effective border security measure enacted by the previous administration. That would be Trump, which had reduced illegal border crossings to the lowest levels in decades before skyrocketing under uh, insurrectionist Brandon. If President, excuse me, if resident Brandon had not eliminated all those policies, we would not be having this catastrophe. See, that's the thing. This was done by design. This is no accident. So so asking Brandon to secure the border or have him go visit the border is ludicrous. It's like asking Al Capone to stop selling alcohol. It's not going to happen. It didn't happen. That's why he's thrown in jail. Then he said, Abbott says, the border has been open under the Brandon insurrection, my words, which is enticing people to come here illegally. He says, until there are consequences, this is important, he says, until there are consequences for someone trying to enter this country illegally, uh, migrants, or as I would say, alien, illegal aliens, are going to continue. And the border czar, uh, Banks, says, highlighting the situation has observed as part of his border security duties. This is absolutely devastating to the state. Okay, that's fine. Guys, asset forfeiture. How do I get this to, to uh, uh, the state of Pyongyang? How, how do I get word to Texas that, uh, you know, my article? I mean, uh, it's just, I mean, this makes so much sense. They should be seizing the assets of everybody there and every, every uh, organization and company that helps them. That's how you end this. Well, you got to get in contact with some uh, true state legislators, individuals. Well, I got a couple of friends. Maybe a speaker. Uh, I, won't mention, I won't mention names on the air, but I know, I know some folks in Texas who might be able to help. So uh, I'll see what I can do. So they got, uh, so, so they didn't really change. Basically, they, they put everything in place before they put after. 
That's the same thing with FEMA. FEMA is another expense. You know, when you have a riot and you have to deploy police, FEMA can pick up part of the cost. Yeah. Well, doesn't the um, did we just read that the DOJ has state and local law enforcement grants? Right. That's what they are. That's a bunch of yeah. bull crap. If you didn't okay. have that, then the police would would uh, move in action against the riders and provide the type of force that's needed in order to stop it. Mm-hmm. But if How somebody about- else is gonna pay for it, you just sit back and let it happen. Yeah. How about during, was it the Obama or Clinton administration that they really started uh, all the military surplus equipment ended up, ended up in police departments? You know, when they started militarizing exactly. the police. So why don't, so why doesn't all that surplus military stuff, you know, imagine if Texas had the, uh, the $85 billion worth of military stuff that uh, Brandon uh, gave the Taliban by surrendering. Well, maybe it wasn't a bad idea because when you have people start acting out in the way that it would be in a war, time incidents, maybe you do need that type of equipment in order to acquire it, to put it down. be interesting if Texas declared war on the uh, federal government for creating an invasion, for using a foreign army of mercenaries, of mercenary migrants. I don't know if it's from mercenary migrants. I might use that again. These what are they mercenary should do migrants. Is build the federal government. They should build the federal government for the cost of them doing what the federal government is supposed to do. And you know another thing, too, the state border off the edge of the water inward is a specific distance that was set up by, uh, I guess you can say, UN, maybe. Because well, if, person, if, a, if a ship became shipwrecked, right. yeah, if a ship became shipwrecked and its crew and passenger had to come ashore, they are afforded so much space. Yeah, but if the UN did it, it's not legal. But if it's done by an international treaty, and there's there's like there are international treaties governing uh, the oceans as far as navigation and and rescue and search and things like that, and fishing, 200 mile limits and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Let me get this one. I got one last article, which is perfect because we only have 10 minutes left. This is from the Texas Tribune again. Texas diverts 395.6 million dollars from prisons to keep Greg Abbott's border mission operating. Well, I think that's a good thing. Actually, I, I have, you know what I would do if I were Texas? I would take the, the, either the nonviolent or the prisoners that are due for parole or something, and I would say, great. <laughs> you know, if you guys want to get out of jail early, why don't you, uh, you know, here's a rifle. Uh, let's bring you down to the, to the border with Texas. They, should, they could absolutely have, you know, they could, they could be at the border and say, okay, you're not crossing this line. Wouldn't it be interesting if they had a military force at the border saying, okay, uh, Brandon's let you in, but you're not coming into Texas. So go back and find somewhere else to go. So send, ship them back to the Fed. Say, okay, we're not letting the buses leave. We're not letting planes leave. We're not letting anything leave. These people are staying here at the border. And you need to take them back. Or we're just going to, you know, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. It's going to be interesting to see. Anyway, so this is from October of uh, 2022. So this is a little bit older, but it's still interesting. He says the latest, they say, it was the article is by Karen Brooks Harper. I guess only women work at the Texas Tribune. <laughs> Liberal women especially, right? This is the latest infusion was among 874.6 million in emergency budget transfers requested by the Texas Legislative Budget Board. So Texas is not only spending a bunch of money, they're taking a bunch of money from other other places, prisons, um, and other transfers. This is interesting. So Governor Greg Abbott said on Thursday that he and other state leaders are pulling 300, basically 360 million uh, out of state prisons uh, and putting it in Lone Star. 
He says, so far more than $4 billion has been spent to keep thousands of Department of Public Safety troopers, so the prisoners, or troopers, and I guess that's the Texas Rangers, right, and National Guard members stationed along the border. Latest infusion was among 875 million dollars in emergency budget transfers. So that's like a billion dollars, 875 plus 330-some-odd. So it was almost a billion. 874.6 million is almost a billion dollars. It's fabulous. I love Texas right now. So the Do you know not, who benefits from FEMA? You know who benefits from FEMA? It's the insurance companies. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, FEMA will pay if you have damages in a disaster. FEMA will pay, will grant so much. They won't grant 100%, but they will grant a percentage of the damages. And that's alleviating the insurance company from picking up that which FEMA grants, and they just start off from there. Mm-hmm. So if well, FEMA pays 60%, the insurance company will be there to pay 40% rather than paying 100%. Well, there's another way to look at it, too, and that's that um, people don't buy insurance for floods, for tornadoes, for earthquakes, for hurricanes, because they know FEMA is going to bail them out. So the insurance companies actually lose, whereas insurance is based well, on – Well, they, on... they do pay for insurance. There is government-sponsored flood insurance. That's <clears throat> all up and down in the Mississippi there, between Illinois and Missouri, where people are building houses on stilts. And uh, houses get flooded out. They collect the insurance. They come around and build a house again. Same place. Mm-hmm. Because the insurance is there, the government will pay for it. That there needs to stop. Well, that's why nobody has earthquake insurance in San Francisco, because they know that FEMA is going to bail them out and rebuild their house. So why should they get insurance? But the problem is that drives up the yeah, cost the insurance of insurance. Company, so nobody, yeah. Well, the insurance company would charge you a premium for 100% replace it, but they're not going to re- give you a hunt. They're not going to do that. They're only going to replace or provide insurance coverage for what all FEMA does not pay for. Yeah, see, that's a problem, too. So we don't need FEMA to be in the insurance business. That's not their job. Their job is to save and lives the, and get the inf- infrastructure back. That's and the it. taxpayer gets screwed both ways. They're paying premiums to the insurance company, and they're paying taxes that's going to FEMA. Well, yeah, but the other problem is, too, that, uh, that, that uh, the insurance companies, you know, much as I don't really have a great love for insurance companies, but because there are so few people paying into flood, hurricane, earthquake insurance, the cost is up precipitously because they know, because people know that they don't have to have insurance for that. Now, if there were, if FEMA did not, was not in the insurance business, and FEMA would only, you know, pay for emergency food, water, shelter, get the electricity back on, just the infrastructure you know, medical and infrastructure, and that was it. They didn't rebuild houses. They didn't do anything. So that all had to be done by insurance. Uh, then a lot more people would be buying insurance, and actually the cost would be a lot lower because the pool of, of insurance holders for flood, earthquake, fire, well, not fire, flood, earthquake, tornadoes, things like that, hurricanes, would be far larger. So the more people paying into the pool, the lower the cost of the insurance. That's the whole point of insurance. So they could sell more policies to more people at a much lower price if there were no FEMA backup in the natural disaster. See, that's the problem. FEMA shouldn't be there. Not for that. Anyway, 
Um, and then you're going to have the employees, which is about 20,000, 30,000 across the country. Then now you got a voting block. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and uh, there's all kinds of folks in that, in that voting block. We can talk about that, uh, you know, the government dependence and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, I'm done for today, unless you have any other comments on, uh, on Operation Lone Star, which I think is fabulous. Um, there's going to be hearings I'll be watching. I'm going to go check uh, you know, after the show today, and, and certainly tomorrow after the show, we've got a great hearing. We've got the whistleblowers before uh, the GOP House. So after the show, everybody go uh, watch the congressional hearings, uh, and we'll probably talk about them Friday. But I'll see if there are any hearings. There might be hearings today, too. I'm going to check. But that's all I have. I'm done. You done? Any closing see you later. Okay, thanks, Bianchi. All right. So, and um, Warren at Wake Up New Orleans, you know, please feel free to come back anytime uh, as long as you stay on live chat because I don't want to talk, you know, the, the, the racial crazy stuff anymore. All right. So our website here, blocktalkradio.com slash citizen action. Uh, my legislative site, writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. And our Substack, gregpenglis.substack.com. Uh, my latest uh, one is on the uh, Sports Illustrated uh, Muslim Women's Bikini Swimsuit Edition, <laughs> which I think is kind of funny. I guess I'm doing that. Contributions go to uh, givesengo.com and um, uh, paypal.com uh, slash paypalme slash actionradio. And everybody is welcome to get a, a paid subscription to my Substack. Uh, and I don't write like anybody else. I mean, these are, these are unique articles. Most other people sound like other people. They just have slightly different information. Or, or some, my, my articles are completely different. So if you want to get a paid subscription to gregpenglis.substack.com, that would be helpful. Uh, and the last one, I think, is – what is the last one? There's always one more. Email, greg at writeyourlives.com. That should do it. I played everything I need to play. So our find my selection for today, our classical musical selection to send us out. Ah, here it is. Let me go find it on my, my chart, my vast chart of things to do. And here it is. I will see you all. Oh, there's the 92nd morning. I will see you all tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Central Time here on the Action Radio Citizen Legislature. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.